all kinds of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations to all listening live right here on Skywatchers Radio. You're listening because you care. Doesn't matter if you're listening from over here in this sphere, if you're on a flat earth, or if you're somewhere in the grand space of time that is known as the universe. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful journey we take on every Tuesday night. <clears throat> what the hell was that voice all about? Jesus! Welcome everybody to Skywatchers Radio on this beautiful August. 16th 2016 and i want to welcome uh, my co-host here on the table as the one the only the other guy aka tres leche welcome to the show my friend why thank you thank you i truly appreciate that i thought you were gonna say i truly am a tres leche but never mind and of course joining us that would have been better and joining us as uh, always uh, as you heard there the one and the only the fabulous crystal storm aka dcs aka woo woo What's up? Welcome. What's up? What's up? What's going on? Now, rounding the show here tonight, it's, uh, of course, our fourth wheel and uh, our good buddy, the one and only, Christopher J. Brown. What's up, buddy? Hello. Hello. Was oh, he's getting better at that. Thing? He's getting better at that. He, you know, you know, he is. He yeah, is. I wanted, to, I wanted to shout out to, to two things. Uh-oh. My okay. 50th birthday. Nice. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, yes. Happy 50th also, birthday to you. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on here with us, right? Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Well, Even though this time I, I think his sister's probably sleeping, you know, I'm just saying. Well, she might be, I don't know. But also, you know on a little bit of a downer, <laughs> it's, uh, we got to remember, too, that it was this day in 1977 that the king, Elvis, passed away. Yeah, that's right, Aww. baby. Uh-huh. Oh, Elvis so, house for the king, y'all. Yeah, I was on the toilet. I was on the toilet. Doing some drugs in the toilet. Uh-huh. No, he was abducted by aliens. He was crapping out his anal probe. No, no, no. We all know what really happened to the king, man. We what know. Really he was in the no, FBI no. witness protection program, and they put him away because uh, he knew stuff. He knew stuff about some stuff. He knew stuff about stuff, about stuff, stuff, and now he's in Cuba, oh. stuffing his face as an old oh. man, chilling with Tupac oh. and Biggie. That could be cool. They should make. Oh my God! Can you imagine if Tupac, Biggie, and Elvis made music together? How amazing oh my God. that would be! Oh baby, I'll be I know, right? fabulous. I know, I'll right? I'll be, I'll be I'll amazing, baby. Happen? That be? I think that would suck though if you're that creative and that musically inclined, and then they tell you that you can never like do that again. Fuck that! You know, it, it's crazy because a lot of people don't know that about Elvis, but he really was a federal agent the last uh, what 
decades. Well, he of his didn't life. go to class for it. He just got that honorary badge. No, it was a little bit more than honorary. There's a there's a couple of documentaries Uh-oh. you should watch about his life. He uh, he was uh, infiltrated uh, pretty well with the uh, FBI. He was, was infiltrated he really? pretty well. Well, that's that, that's a pretty bad word to that, use. That, I know. That, yeah, I'm just. That like, might not even that, that might not even be a word. That might not even be a word, but I used it. Thank you for going there. Thank you. Right. Congratulations right. on your ruse. I wasn't going to judge you. I was going to let you just get away with it. Cause yeah, yeah, see, because that's yeah, what she does. Gonna, I mean, uh, you know what it is, though, Crystal? You know what it is? He's still bitter about what happened with Jacob Israel. <laughs> it's just, uh, no, I tell you what, it, it, you know what? It's just because he's the other guy, and we love the other guy. But I just got to warn everybody, this is going to be a very intense <laughs> week. So if you're dealing yep. with people, everybody's going to be salty this week. Just let everybody know. A little bit salty. It's Yeah, it's going to be one of those weeks. But, uh, okay, infiltrator was a bad choice of words. He was uh, a part of the FBI. He was initiated. Okay. It's really the word I was thinking of. I initiated by the FBI. I, just said, I don't know why I said infiltrated. Anyway, he was initiated into the FBI's program, and uh, supposedly that he was an agent for the FBI. That's how the rumor goes. Um, I don't know if it's true or not. Hell, I wasn't there. He actually died a few months before my birthday. So, And I, was, uh, I always thought that maybe I was him reincarnated because I was fabulous and I had great hair when I was young. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay. Now I'm bald, so that, that completely went out the window. <laughs> Definitely not a reincarnation. Nope. I have no musical talent uh, like he did. Can't nope. Can't play a lick of uh, the guitar. Can't move the hips quite like Elvis could, you know? Like I try to do the, the, the blue suede shoes, you know, that, that dance he did when he was moving his hips. I'd probably throw a hip out and just, like, you know, I'd be paralyzed. That's not good. It's not a good look for it's me. Not good. Don't do it's not good. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> At least you realize it's not good for you, so. Well, yeah. You know, hey, I'm a realist, man. You know me. You've known me for a decade. I've always been a realist. You're a realist? Dude, you live so high in the air, high in the sky. Actually, not anymore. I have not uh, been high in the sky in about uh, a month and a half. Wow. Okay, so I I have acid reflux. What's your excuse? Uh, Bronchitis. Mm, That's a good reason. That's a very good reason, right? Yeah. That's a good reason, yep. yep. And I'm I'm probably giving it up for good, by the way, guys. Yeah. Really? You know it yep. happens. Yep. Really? Yep. Yep. I have I haven't smoked pot in oh god, it's been a while. It's been like forever. Been going on to years now that I haven't smoked anything. Well, see, like, it's I not thought, like I, trying to quit cigarettes. Trying to quit cigarettes is the most horrible are thing. There. Well, here's the thing. They are there. They I are, haven't. You know, I, I haven't. I, I, Okay, so let me be no, fair. I did go ahead, go ahead. have a couple of. I had a brownie last time I went to New Orleans, maybe a couple of months ago. But really? it was a completely. Yeah, it was like a completely different high. Yeah, the okay, dead mothers getting it pissed about like, it or what? Dead mother. Yeah, the dead mothers weren't bothered by you having brownies. Okay. No. Okay. Not New Orleans. What are you talking about? The dead mothers. I'm so confused. You know something I don't know. Yeah, you said you had brownies. Usually they're yeah. selling cookies, but if you had them, you had them. Oh, yeah, how many cookies? No, just brownies. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. mind did, sorry, my mind went to the gutter. It always does. <laughs> always. Yeah. No, here's the thing. I haven't, my head. I haven't had a drink in about 12, well, it's going to be 13 years in October since I've had an alcoholic beverage. Okay. I've never wow. smoked a cigarette in my life. I just I've never done it. Um, the closest I've gotten is like you know smoking maybe blunt paper. That's you know with marijuana, but that's about it. That doesn't count, right? Uh, so you know I've always been kind of clean, and uh, you know that's the one thing, the one vice I've had is you know pot. But I, even then, I'm like you know what? It's been a month and a half. I haven't themed for it because you know it's not addictive. No, you don't. Yeah, you and don't for it. You don't. Don't need it. So Mm-mm, you don't. I'm saving that's money. The beauty, that's the wonderful thing about pot that you can, you know, smoke it like every day forever and, and really never get addicted. Stuff. 
and never yeah. get addicted. And then when you're done smoking, you're just done. It's, it's yeah, over. I'm done. Cigarettes, on the other hand, is Ooh. the most horrible thing that I have ever had to quit, and I will My never God. smoke again simply because I don't ever want to have to quit again. That my was God. horrible. Mm. Oh my God! I do not look. I, I don't pity anybody who smokes cigarettes and tries to and tries to get oh, off of it. My mother crazy. went through it. it. You know when they when they told her you're going to develop lung cancer, you got to stop. She stopped cold turkey, and it was horrible the first few months for her. I mean, yeah, I, so it's bad. Rough. It so is so rough. rough. Um, you know, so so for me, you know, it's this is uh, kind of like a logical choice at this point because you know when, when you develop bronchitis and uh, yeah, breathing becomes a problem and it's never been a problem before, you know, you want to stop. You know. Damaging your lungs, and this is one way of me stopping any damage to my lungs. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much uh, probably done with it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Until next month, anyway. I miss it sometimes, but I get it. I mean, you know. Until next month. I, I would. Yeah, you know. Somebody <laughs> <laughs> hands me a brownie, and then I'll be like, Yeah, yeah, yeah brownies are cool. Brownies are cool. Brownies are cool. And uh, you know who's really cool, guys? You know who's a, a really, really cool guy? Somebody who's uh, listening in right now saying, what the hell did I just get myself into? Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Is that our Morgan guest? Beale <laughs> is going to be our guest on tonight. Morgan Beale, who has uh, become a really good buddy of mine. I've talked to him several times. He's, uh, he's going to be on with us in uh, the 25-minute mark here, and uh, he's going to discuss the 2016 MUFON Symposium, which we're going to go to at uh, the end of this month. We're all going to be there. It's going to be awesome. Uh, including other various topics that we're going to uh, talk about uh, with uh, the deal with ufology, uh, exopolitics, uh, what he does with MUFON. He is the state director for the uh, MUFON chapter in uh, in Florida, so that's going to be a, a whole lot of fun to be able to you know pick the brain again of, of somebody who's involved that deeply with MUFON. I like I love you know dealing with MUFON and dealing with organizations like that because you know they're the ones really on the ground like the saying goes yeah. with boots on the ground you know doing the research doing the work and uh and being uh you know somebody who is into ufology you know this is a, a great organization for me to uh, to look into and for you guys to look into also so uh can't wait to have morgan on he's going to be with us in a few minutes and um until then though there's a couple things i want there's a couple things i wanted to go over uh, news-wise with you guys. Uh, one in particular is a video that I showed you guys a few minutes ago, and you're like, uh, looks like it may be CGI, but I'm not sure, right? I don't know. Like we, I, I don't know if we can tell. Audience, look at our video and tell us, what do you think? Because I, I, I would good. love to, I mean, this, I think this is really a video where you have to, like, critically analyze the source of the video, because the video right. itself, unfortunately, we're in 2016, and I feel like a bunch of kids in their basement could make this. Now, here's the thing. You guys remember the uh, video that had the alien in the room that uh, looked up and it was a really dark room, and he said, Mondo Gump, Mondo Gump. That, remember that video that came out a few years ago? Mm-hmm. Which clearly mm-hmm. looked CGI. Clearly looked mm-hmm. CGI. I contacted the actual person who made the video. I found who it was, and I tracked him down. It took me a year to track this person down, but I tracked him down, and I asked him if it was a legit video or if it was a, a you know a CGI video, and he admitted that it was all CGI that he did it as a promotional stunt, and it kind of like went haywire and the internet went crazy with it thinking it was real. So this could be that, but here's the thing: this looks a lot more real. The texture of the skin, the eyes. Yeah, it's really well done. I will give it that. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's this not has badly that. done, but it's kind of dark. That helps. Uh, that helps. English. I don't know. Well, well, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, and I just posted it on the uh, PSN chat. If anybody wants to check it out, it's over there in the PSN chat. Here's the thing about that. Yeah, he's talking English, but if you follow the narrative of what he says in the video, he's talking about that he is 
a um, a descendant of humanity. He's not a human being like we are, but he's a descendant of humans on Earth that you know rose up millions of years from now. And uh, the the fact that uh, we pretty much destroyed ourselves piqued their interest. They wanted to know more about the planet and more about the history, so they traveled through time to come to come back in time to take a look at us and kind of observe us. Which kind of goes with some of the theories well, that uh, some people say. They're, they're not observing; they're interfering. Why would you or, say that? Well, I don't oh, know. They haven't that. interfered with us. Well, Maybe. I mean. That maybe I think not. that would depend on maybe which faction we're dealing with, because I think we've been visited by more than one species, to be honest. Well, this one fits the classic greys. Oh, yeah. True. Yes, this one definitely does. I mean, big head, round black eyes, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Facial features. I mean, it looks... I mean, I would love I would love for this to be a legit video, because this is, this is crazy. And I will say that... At least what he's saying is interesting. It would yeah. it's something that I would that you know you would, this is the type of story that you would kind of expect to hear that you know deep shit like travel in time is to travel in space like that's okay. Right. I can see that. Yes. That death is not the end. That there's more you know, to life. That you know we're right. all. We, and, and one thing that we, which which is said here, which I thought was very interesting, is that once you die, you actually relive somebody else's life. You know, that's how reincarnation works. We all like, kind of relive our lives, but differently. Like, I will one day become Crystal Storm. <laughs> and I'll live your life. <laughs> That's okay. Cool. You know, and Crystal, I've always wanted to live your life. and I, I... <laughs> One day I'm going to get my chance. <laughs> <laughs> you want to just body swap one day, Angel? That would be yeah, cool. why not? That. Why not? Yeah, why not? Hey, it worked for Bruce Jenner. Oh, you know, I want to crack a joke. I want to crack a joke, but I'm going to choose not to. Please don't. Since just... when? What, have you I been know. body snatched? That's what I figured. Okay, my response to this is, is oh, Angel, boy, or at least go. if you switch bodies, we'll get later. Oh, on. here we go. I don't know. But, Nobody wants to hear it. Sorry. Nobody wants to hear it. That. No, we didn't. Really didn't. No. Not at all. You, you told me to go ahead with it. Yeah, but that, then, I changed, then I changed my mind. Halfway through, halfway yeah. through that, I changed my mind. It, it was oncoming Seriously, traffic Seriously, the involved. first knew it was coming. 20 minutes of this show should come with a warning to all guests. Don't listen. Don't listen to the first one. Yeah. Do not Seriously. listen to the first 20 minutes of the show. Oh, just goodness. wait. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. We're uh, just crazy psychotic, that's all. Yeah. Yes, in that order. It's no. so crazy and psychotic. In, in that order. In now, that um, order. But you know what? Here's my question, though. Okay, so this is yeah. apparently a release by WikiLeaks. Has WikiLeaks released any other videos, documents, anything else? That we know mm, of? Not that I'm aware of, no. I think this is the first. Unless we, we classify the, uh, the the Skinny Bob video that's on the internet also, what? which has kind of like one? that. We, the Skinny Bob. You haven't seen that one, Skinny Bob? No, I haven't seen Skinny Bob lately. No. Here, I'm going to uh, leak Skinny Bob your way. Hold on. All right. I'll present you with Skinny Bob. That's actually, a, again, a very realistic video. Shows a gray alien. It's supposed to be it's supposedly it's a KGB leak. That was leaked through WikiLeaks. So you do with that whatever you will. Uh, part of the footage here kind of reminds me of that footage, so I'm thinking maybe it's connected to that footage somehow. I'm not sure. The alien looks, I mean, again, look, if it's CGI, fantastic CGI, but it looks very realistic. Much more than the Mundo Gump video. That one just had no authenticity to it. I mean, that one just looked really, really phony. Um, this one, again, it kind of looks a little bit more realistic. It shows footage from uh, supposedly a crash in, in, in Russia. Um, where you see bodies laying on the ground, you see some aliens walking around. 
And then you see uh, what looks like a gray alien. I guess he's like in a room and they're doing some testing with him or whatever. All right, hang on. So. I'm, I'm trying to watch the uh, the, the second WikiLeaks one you oh, sent me. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. You watch it there for some time. This one looks. God, that looks authentic. That's right. Freaky. I mean, that's so freaky. That's freaky. But you know what? I. Comparison now, this gray alien looks very different from the one in the WikiLeaks video. Right. Yeah, but how many humans That's, look the same? Yeah, I mean, which is interesting. I mean, because, I mean, you're talking about, you know, different races of aliens. I mean, if you look at this alien, I mean, this alien's face, the one in the, the KGB video, the facial features yep. are much more defined. The mm-hmm. eyes are bigger. If you look at the alien in the WikiLeaks video, he, he, he's scary looking. Almost. I yeah, mean, his is. eyes are yeah. smaller, more humanized, but he's lacking a nose. I don't see. I mean, his mouth is not as defined. He looks but it's moving. different. Hang on. Yeah. I'm, I'm it's, looking it's at. Uh, wait a minute. Which one are you looking at now? This, this the skinny the bop, the third one. Yeah, the one I just put up on there. By the way, if you guys want to see uh, the videos again, go to uh, Skywatchers on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio. Or you can always join us on the uh, PSN chat on Skype. If you don't know how to get there, well, shame on you. You should know how to get there. It's pretty easy. Go to psn-radio.com, the place you're listening to right now. Go and hit the uh, the Skype chat icon, which is right under the regular chat that we have on there, and join us on the uh, Skype chat, and uh, you can follow along okay, as we the re- post the videos. i, I got to make a comment. First thing I'm going to say is oh, I'm looking at this, and I see the refresh rate. Uh, this is looks like it was taken with a video camera looking at a TV screen. Because which you can one, actually which see one are you talking to um, the skinny Bob. Bob. Okay. Yeah. Now, well, remember this is supposed to be back in the what the forties or whatever. Yeah, it looks like it's it looks like it's a camera running. Um, see, you'll see the bars going up and going up, which is like the um, sixty hertz refresh rate uh, or the PAL. Actually, it's the PAL refresh rate from Europe. Um, time code looks legit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I've had a really hard time debunking or, or calling Bat Squatch on the uh, Skinny Bob video. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. Freaking. This, uh, I'm looking at it. Um, I see. would definitely be a little scared if that just suddenly appeared in my window at night. You know what I'm saying? I would not be doing the little think, hop that uh, Stan Romanek did. Oh, little hop yeah. over the cable snow. <laughs> I definitely no. need a minute. I'd be like, I'm going to need you to stay right there and give me a second to stop you know, I can't say this is CGI, but I might think that this is prosthetics. On what? Uh, on, on like a four-year-old child, maybe? But uh, On a midget. I'm looking at the body. Hey, 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 well, little person. That, that's little person, fine. Well, well. Then again, I'm seeing him blink his eyes, and I don't see any right. mechanical. Oh, wow! No, this, this one's a doozy, man. I've ran through every scenario what this could be, whether it's prosthetics, uh, a child under prosthetics, a little person, uh, a puppet. I mean, uh, in, if it's a puppet, it is like the best puppet ever made, um, or one of them. It I ain't mean, no I, Kermit the Frog, I'll tell you that. No, it's definitely not Kermit the Frog. Belongs sure, on man. the set of Star Wars. Put him right in the cantina scene. He fit right in. You know what I'm in. saying? Yeah, he fit mm-hmm. right in there. Heck, I mean, this is better wow. CGI than some of the Star I Trek and Star Wars. Little flute thing with the band. Do, do, do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like the worst little flute. Ah, <laughs> oh. hmm. that's too, See, that's really. Rid- I, I wonder mean, if I'm looking at both videos. I kind of got <laughs> on both my screens, and it's just looking at the alien from the WikiLeaks mm-hmm. video and this one. That's. See, now, remember, remember, what's coming? The WikiLeaks stuff lends some, 
this WikiLeaks stuff does lend some credibility to it. Now, by the, uh, end, by the by the way, by the way, if you look at about uh, three minutes and twenty five seconds in, you're going to see a bunch of the little gray aliens walking around. Well, I don't know if you, you got there, and, and they're all like a bunch of little skinny bobs walking around. Okay, on which the WikiLeaks one? No, no, no the, the skinny bob video. Skinny oh bob, yeah, yeah, that's family vacation. Yeah. What? The family vacation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Not, that's not counting the ones that were dead on the floor. And, and, yeah. uh, I mean, now remember, I'm, Skinny Bob is supposedly a KGB video, where the other one's supposed to be uh, the Roswell alien. Wow! So yeah. you know, do without what you will. Interesting. What really gets me is all these you know little Skinny Bobs walking around. That yeah. no gets me. I, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm looking at the WikiLeaks one more, and I'm in about a minute and I'm looking. I mean the the lids. The lids, the blink, the alien blinking as he's talking, and the right inflections, it, it, that would be very hard to sync with a a voiceover actor um, to match well um, the lip flap and the eye movements with this. It's the, it, uh, it looks very, very legitimate. I agree. I don't – you know what? Okay. I don't know. Okay, so if you go to into the WikiLeaks video, if you kind of go into maybe around the 320 up to the four-minute mark, mm-hmm. they zoom in on the alien more. His movement – I don't know. It, it's looking tough. at him closer, now it looks almost like it might be – I'm watching him. Yeah. No, not CGI. I'm almost thinking that this might be a puppet. Which – the uh, WikiLeaks video. Yeah, you got to go in about maybe about four minutes into the video is kind of where I'm at, and right. I'm just I'm watching his head movements and the mouth movements and the way he's blinking. It just that's that's mm-hmm. a tough call, but maybe I don't know something about that's just bothering me. Well, Jim Henson would be proud. Well, that's for true. Indubitably, yeah, he definitely would be proud Indubitably. of that. Indubitably. I mean, I, yeah, I have a hard time calling Bat Squatch on either one of these two, to be honest. I really do, and you know me—I I love calling Bat Squatch. But uh, these True. two, oh, these two, pull really, this head up quick. That's yeah. creepy. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Uh, in puppets, one do that. Moved his head real quick there at the end. I was like, "Oh shit!" He's about to get you. Uh boy, these videos actually are. So we can find more of these. I need more. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. They I, have to be out there. Look, I'm—I'm I'm pretty sure they have a lot more videos they just haven't put out yet. Uh, why they haven't put why? them out? That, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Well, you know? like, why? It's WikiLeaks. Like, come on, what are you doing? I don't know. Maybe they're holding that as a, hey, I'm pun intended here, as a trump card. <laughs> I don't know for what. <laughs> I don't. That's crazy to me. I mean, WikiLeaks will release something, and you won't even talk about what they released. It's whether or not, you know. No offense. Was it safe. <laughs> By the way, yeah, I'm, not- still watching, I'm still watching this WikiLeaks, and the, the metaphysical discussion that the, this thing is having. Mm-hmm. And a description of how he got there um, sort of makes sense. Yeah, um, then there's that. Yeah, yeah, I got I got I got problems with it. You know, I got problems calling Bat Squatch on this. I I just can't. The the whole nice. notion of how he got here, what they were doing here, uh, I mean, all that stuff checks out. Uh, not not that it checks out that we can prove any of it, but it just makes sense. Like you know, if yeah. We, if you're thinking about an advanced race a million years or whatever it is in the future. That has you know some outrageous technology that looks like magic to us. Yeah, maybe they could travel back in time. And the way he describes space being space and time mixed together, yeah, you know, I have a hard time calling Bat Squatch on that. I really, really, truly do. That's a tough one mm-hmm. for me. 
That's probably one of the toughest uh, alien videos that I've seen. Yeah, I think it is, definitely. He looks very sad in this video. Right? I hope we sent him home. In a body bag. Oh, no, why? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm so sad. <laughs> what did we do to the nice alien that was politely answering our questions? Oh, my goodness. That's, well, it wasn't uh, an alien. Strange, it, was, you know. it was an earthling yeah, from the future. Yeah, yeah it's uh, us, apparently, after we blow ourselves up again. No shocker there. Yeah, we're going to blow ourselves into smithereens. That's for sure. No shocker there. I am unfortunately not surprised. See, that part of the video is the, the part that makes the most sense, to be honest. Yeah, there was a nuclear war. You guys blew yourselves up. And uh, where, where what comes next? That's it. Okay, I'm I can buy that. Humanity must be cleansed with fire week. I'll be woo-woo again next week. There you go. <laughs> Cleanse it with fire. Fix it with fire. Burn them all. Fix it with fire. Maybe we'll get it. Well, I mean, this race came back to watch us do dumb things. So at least at some point, humanity does evolve into something better, even if yeah, we do it kind of ugly. I, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know about that. We don't know what their future's like. So That's true. I would yeah, hope that that kind of knowledge would at least bring us a better understanding and respect, at least just for the basic shit, like for the planet. At least. <laughs> we just start small. All right, guys, we got to hit commercial break. When we return, we're going to be joined by tonight's guest, Morgan Beale. He's a UFO researcher and the Florida State Director of MUFON uh, Mutual UFO Network, and uh, a member of the Scientific Coalition for Ufology. Uh, he's also uh, was in a group that investigated the homeland security of UFO videos from Puerto Rico. Currently, Morgan is busy helping coordinate the MUFON Symposium, which will be in, and then, what's it, like two weeks from now, me, Crystal, Alan, we're all going to be there. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, so please stick around. This is Skywatchers Radio, and again, when we return, Morgan Beale from MUFON. The George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes. That George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban fella. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. 
And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. Supermanhomepage.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to Skywatchers Radio right here live on PSN Radio. That's right, psn-radio.com is the place to be. If you want to listen in tonight, you can check us out on TuneIn. That's a great app. Highly recommend it. If you want to join the Skype chat, go to psn-radio and uh, get into the Skype chat and chat along with us. Now with us is the man of the hour, Mr. Morgan Beal, the state director of MUFON himself in our backyard here in Florida. Morgan, thank you so much for being on the show with us, man. Uh, you know, I love having uh, MUFON folks on here, and uh, since I got to know you, man, uh, I've been jonesing to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Not a great being here, man. First time. I, I know I've listened to you quite a bit, actually, in the past on your podcasts, and you know, it's uh, good to finally get to talk to you. Plus, we're, we live in the same state. so I know, right? <laughs> I know. What's going on? It's so, about yeah, time, man. Where you been? I know. I know, really. No, busy. Uh, researching, doing work, uh, working, have a day job, and uh, and then um, doing this on the side. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a, like I said earlier, I think with you guys, uh, you know, it's a labor of love both with the symposium and with the research work, but I think... You know, in the end, uh, you know, the rewards are justified. So I think it's it's great to to learn about this subject matter, and and I I, I tend to come at it myself from a very nuts and bolts scientific uh, background. Um, I work with a lot of researchers like uh, Robert Powell and some of those mm. people. We I also worked on the Aguadilla case uh, independently. So there, there's a lot of little things I do in this subject, not just with MUFON, but also, but mainly with MUFON as a state director. You know, I always love Very picking cool. the brain of folks that are involved with MUFON because, I, I, to me, MUFON is like the number one organization in ufology that is legit. Um, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of different different ones that have come out, like the Free Organization, uh, which is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, making some noise uh, because of Edgar Mitchell and sure. stuff. But, you know, MUFON to me has been like the steady rock 
in ufology, and you guys cover your bases. You know, you're you're, you're not pushovers, which a lot of people think you are, which you're not. Uh, if it's something that smells like you know bunk, you're going to call it, and you know you you put it as what it is. Uh, you know, you know, it's not like open minds and all these places just report it and they don't do you know much anything mm-hmm. else with it. Uh, you know, how did you get involved with MUFON originally? Uh, originally, I was a consultant, so I came in as uh, somebody with a technical background, and they brought me in on the SIP project, which was funded at the time, um, you know, when they partnered up with uh, Bigelow Aerospace. And there's a lot of controversy, of course, with mm-hmm. that, um, you know, that whole project, but um, I got to see it from the inside. And so, it, you know, obviously the public um, kind of reads way too far in between the lines and they try to find meaning in a lot of things that really weren't there but um it was it a successful project eh, probably not <laughs> uh, but you know no one will argue with me on that one i mean it's it's pretty much what it was but it was a good experience though and i got to, to work on some cases i mean it was like you know i went from just being who i was you know with the college degree and working with a consulting firm and doing my own thing mm-hmm. To getting my feet wet, or I guess that's an understatement, where they just literally threw me in to uh, some of the Star Team cases <coughs> with the uh, with Big Lair Space, um, dealing with some of these, um, you know, mainly with just uh, of interest witnesses, meaning uh, these witnesses that have you know experienced these things their whole lives, and they're they have a certain quality background. So, like one of the guys that I went and interviewed and talked to for. Uh, 18 hours. It was an 18-hour investigation, actually, for two 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 cases in Florida that he did at the same time, and it was mainly because they were high-priority witnesses. And I talked to one of them, and he was a JPL scientist. Um, and you know, he obviously didn't want to be public, but um, it was just interesting to get to see his perspective on the subject and the fact that this stuff has happened. You know, mm. that he's witnessed uh, most of his life. Um, and in, you know, in each case, you know, all, you know, it's all in his head, right? Everybody said, well, you know, even right. scientists can be, you know, crazy. But in his case, he had an independent witness for each event. Mm. So he had his neighbor oh, wow. across the street. He had a fishing buddy or, or not a fishing buddy, but a cave diving buddy because that's what they did. You know, so there's all these, and I got to talk to two of them out of the, the five or six instances that he talked about. And all of them pretty much verified exactly what he was saying. Um, talked to the neighbor across the street. Talked to his his buddy over the phone. It was it was just a, a unique experience because at that time I was read on the subject. You know, I I didn't really get into the popular books. Uh, you know the you know the you know like the Dolan books. You know all the the popular Communion. ones that everybody always talks about. Yeah, right. I, I just said, you know, I'd rather go into it just objectively. I, I don't want to learn the one-on-ones, you know, because there really is no difference between the work that I do during the day and how I'm going to handle this stuff. And it's kind of true. Um, as long as you handle it with your discipline, you know, whatever expertise you have, you know, you, you, you won't fail at what you do. You know, whereas a lot of times you see people when they, you know, when cases fail or when, you know, things fall apart, it's typically people that are going outside their discipline and they're right, trying to be right. an expert in physics and they're not a physicist. They're a librarian. Right. And, and so or, or, um, <laughs> or like the other guy here a couple of weeks ago, uh, trying to be a scholar of, uh, of Hebrew when, uh, he clearly does not understand some of the <laughs> we Hebrew. We have to let that go. We have to let yeah, it go. But it was so funny, Crystal. It was so funny. No. You have to hear that show, uh, Morgan. You'll laugh your ass off. It was a story. Yeah. 
It was really funny. You know, it, yeah. But, uh, you know, get into what you're saying, you know, that, that kind of happens a lot with myself when I research, yeah. you know, the subject of ufology, where, you know, it's really the, the, the witnesses, uh, when they have multiple witnesses with them or where, you know, the witnesses are credible, like officers and stuff like that, that's what really, you sure. know, gets to me as, you know, being more and more authentic. Like, for example, Chris J. Brown here himself had a sighting. Um, and, you know, for the most part, if somebody tells me, yeah, I saw an orb in the woods, and, uh, you know, I might have been a little tipsy or whatever, maybe not, but I saw something in the woods, normally I'd be like, okay, cool, you saw an orb in the woods, I wouldn't think twice of it. But he had his kid with him, you know, his his child with him, and his child yeah. mm-hmm. uh, went on the air, and uh, he said what happened. And, you know, I tend to believe a child, because a, a child like that just, uh, you know, they don't have that kind of imagination to, like, make stuff like that up, I don't think. I mean, they might have an overactive ma- imagination for some things, but when it comes to collaborating a story, like, to the T, like the way this this child did, I mean, that to me, you know, breathes more authenticity to it. When you have people like, uh, you know, like police officers who see things, you know, pilots mm-hmm. who see things, that to me is, adds more credibility to, to a sighting. Um, and I'm sure you guys have... Uh, have had your fair run of, uh, of investigations like that, where you look at it and you're like, yeah. oh, "Man, I really, I can't debunk this. This is this is too good." Well, yeah, and, and that's that's where the argument gets kind of foggy. Uh, a lot of times, people don't know what they're arguing about. So you have right. two parties, right, on the, either side of the fence, and they're both saying, "No, it's real. No, it's you know, it's all in your head. It's all this. You know, you get these arguments online. You see it on social media." But the problem is, is like the investigator, like myself, is not arguing anything about origin. Like that, this is the problem. So you have you'll have skeptics on one side um, that'll you know, and that's the wrong word. I, I call them cynics, really, where they are picking <laughs> apart somebody's uh, case, uh, even though that they're just telling everybody what they witnessed. But their argument is, oh, you think they're from outer space or aliens? When no one ever brought in the origin, um, you know, discussion. We just know right. that as scientists, we know that the UFO phenomenon exists. Uh, you can you, any scientist or any any technically back, background uh, individual who looks into this subject seriously will mm. see that there is a real phenomenon here. Now, then it splits off. Then it's like okay, when you start talking about origin, you know, like outer space, interdimensional, or whatever right, right. time, um, that you know, okay, yeah, arguments can happen there and they're justified. But when people just start slamming each other because they're either assuming that we're talking about an origin, like they're extraterrestrials from another planet, um, that's that's where it gets really foggy. And, right. and you know, when we're presenting, when we try to present our our information to the public, we say, hey, look, this is what the witness said. This is what they saw. And just like the discussion you just brought up with with the child and, and the father, you know, the kid described what he saw. You know, and, and mm-hmm. okay, is, is the kid as credible as the father? When it comes to, let's say, putting them in front of a jury, probably not as credible as the father. However, he's still a material witness. He still Correct. saw what he saw. Uh, his interpretation might be different. I mean, I've, I've, we've worked on cases. Uh, there was one right over in your area, uh, more so Fort Lauderdale area along the beach, where a construction crew um, or a construction company that had is using one of the beach houses as their office because they're building this high-rise, they all reported this thing that happened. And the main report was that a UFO was going over the beach, it was silver, being chased by a jet, and then it was shot down by a jet. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, we talked to seven witnesses, and each one of them had a completely different version of the story. And they were being mm. very serious. Um, one guy said, I never saw a UFO, but I saw the jet. Uh, I thought he shot a missile. And then another one says, well, I never saw a missile, but I saw the UFO and the jet. 
And then right. another person says, well, I saw the UFO get shot down by the jet. You know, and it, it oh, just wow. varied depending on the witnesses. Yeah, and and that's one of the, you know, it's a small little technique, you know, obviously separating the witnesses and getting their, their version. But um, it just tells you that witnesses, when it comes to, you know, specifics, they're kind of unreliable when it comes to a nuts and bolts investigation, but they're still anecdotal. They're still important. They're still part of the narrative of what happened. Um, but you can't rely solely just on the testimony. So, and that, that's, that's a hard concept for a lot of people. And it's, and it's understandable when, you know, well, you're doubting the witnesses. Like, no, not at all. Um, it's just that when it comes to weighted information or weighted, uh, conclusions, you have to have more than just somebody telling you what ha- happened. Well, unfortunately, um, sadly, m- sadly, most of, of everything in ufology is, you know, testimony and stories yeah, uh, from people. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's very little to no evidence, uh, unless you want to, you know, t- you know, go with, uh, for example, Lloyd Pye's uh, Star, uh, Star Seed or Star Child yeah, Skull, or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some of the stuff that Roger Lear was working on, the implants. You know, yeah, there's tangible mm-hmm. evidence there, but we haven't really had a crash at the White House lawn, for example, or something that everybody right. can witness. That that's it. It's even, legit, one hundred percent. Exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say, even in those examples you just gave me, uh-huh. um, you know, were in many cases mishandled completely. Um, yes. And, and a lot of it yeah. had to do with a lack of experience. Again, going mm-hmm. outside their disciplines and not reaching out to somebody that has a discipline. Right. So, like Lear, for instance. I, I, Lear is the nicest guy on earth. I've met him. However, I, I, I had open criticism with him is the fact that peace, the way, the way he utilized laboratories. You know, he didn't understand chain of custody. He didn't understand that, you know, their independent laboratories have licenses for different types of analysis. And he, you know, he messed up a couple of times in the beginning. Uh-huh. Just like Frank yep. Kember. I don't know if you know who Frank Kember is. He, yep. uh, he, he's actually somebody that's not as well known, but he should be. Uh, because he's probably done the best field work on the Roswell case than anybody's ever done. Um, and and I'm not talking about witness testimony. I'm talking about physical evidence where he's gone out and and collected information uh, in the field uh, and and materials, including like the buttons, ar- archaeological or anthropological you know, um, uh, materials, and you know and cataloged it and had the metals that they found analyzed properly through a certain type of isotopic. Now, even he did. Now, he's a geologist, and even he messed up the first couple of times with the laboratory because he sent his into a laboratory saying, well, this is from the Roswell uh, site. It's suspected, you know, telling the laboratory what he suspected it to be or what it was reportedly to be, and that created a bias. And what happened is the laboratory ended up throwing out the sample. And... um, and there was a discussion, you know, he, he even he even second-guessed himself at first. He was like, oh, maybe somebody got to it. And, you know, the big conspiracy, right, how these things always right. disappear. <laughs> well, it ends up that the lab technician, I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking this is how the story goes, just threw it out because they thought it was a hoax. They oh, thought wow. they were just being messed with. And, and so, you know, that's what happened. <laughs> that sucks. It's, it's, oh, and I know, from, I, know, it, 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 I know from my work what I do I never tell them what, why I'm testing this. I just say, look, this is the analysis I want on this material. Thank you very much. Here's your money. <laughs> and so, right. Well, and, and I feel then like that's the you, better way to do it because then you don't yeah, have to worry about their bias. You're just, you know, giving them exactly. something to analyze, and they don't need to know where it came from. No, <laughs> or what do you they think just do it is. The, the, right. They just do the method, and then they send you the results, and that's it. So, but yeah, it, there's a lot of things that just never happened in ufology that should have. 
um, when it came to opportunities uh, like that. Uh, early on, even in the Roswell investigations, you know, there was a lot of that. You've heard of, like, the sci-fi channels special on it and things like that. Yeah. None of it was done properly. And, and and the thing is, the public doesn't really know that perspective because you're not hearing from an anthropologist or, or somebody who understands what an archaeological dig is or how to perform one. And, and you know, it just turns into productions. That's, and that's what ends up happening with most yep. of the ufology. It's, it's all production now. It's all like, well, this is how we get our money. We do production, and then it just gets clouded into the production. Um, that's why I always tell people who have a story, right, or a researcher who, who has a major uh, case that they're working on, their first thought is to write a book. And I keep telling them, stop writing books first. Write white papers first. It's like mm. you don't. You don't, it, yep. it, it, I just got done, well, I'm about two-thirds through it. it, it I'm reading Tom Carey's and the other gentleman, uh, the, the Children of Roswell, right? Okay. And, I mean, it's a well-read book, but it's it, it's very um, it's very colorfully worded, like a nonfiction book. Right. It's like a story, and then there's narrative in it, and, and it's like, that's not research. That's entertainment. Right. And um, right. not to say that they didn't do research. At all. I mean, they did a lot of heavy work on getting these testimonies from these witnesses and everything. But, but when it's read by somebody like me or somebody that researches this all the time, it just reads like a nonfiction book. And right. I always wanted Tom Carey and, the, and them to, to really put their thoughts together. And look, guys, put a, put a historical research white paper together. Everything you've learned about from witnesses and from evidence. And, and, and teach the public what you learn because they have such a big story to tell that they only tell portions of it in their books and their, you know, in the next, in the next volume that we're going to write, you know, right. it shouldn't be that way. Well, I mean, a lot of, a lot of that happens, I think, a lot of that happens though because I think some of these folks are look at it as an avenue to make money, uh, to get a little fame from, uh, from this kind of work. And let's be honest, if the book doesn't sell, you ain't going to make money right. and you're not going to have that fame. So they make it yeah. so that not only the people that are interested in it for the subject, but the people that are interested in science, science fiction or sci-fi, they get into it because it's just a good read, like you said. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate. It really is because it completely cuts out the meat of the matter. Yeah, it does. It, it, you know, and it's not to say that there isn't a legitimate means and methods right. to, to making money off of the subject because, you know, the Lord knows that we all don't get paid for this. And, right. And it's <laughs> yeah. expensive. Especially, and especially you MUFON guys because so. MUFON guys yeah. have to, like, go out on the field by themselves and pay for their own mm-hmm. travels, right? I mean, you guys pay for everything pretty much. Yeah, oh, everything's voluntary. Uh, and right. like I always say, you know, people, like you were saying in the beginning, MUFON it is it's this big, great organization. I, you know, I was kind of equated to it's it's one of the best volunteer organizations there is in this subject. Yep. Um, is it the best scientific organization? It's maybe not because it's volunteers. It's made up of people who don't have scientific background. Right. Uh, and people that do. I mean, I have I have a I have a, a nuclear physicist on the team here in Florida. I have a guy who used to build uh, you know jet aircraft for the for the Air Force. Uh, you know. So we have all walks of life, um, and, and, it, and a, that's what it is. Let me ask you a quick question, Morgan, because I think you brought up an important point that I think people, you know, if they find stuff, especially if they find stuff, I don't think that they – obviously they don't know how to handle it, and they don't know what no. to do. So my question to you is, is is there a section on MUFON's website, or is there a number they can call where they can say, hey, I've just found X, Y, Z. What do I do with it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean – 
you can just go to MUFON.com. There's a contact section that has the phone number, email, even the means, and they tell you if you have a, a report, you simply just go and fill out the, you know, report a UFO, um, if it's just a UFO or something like that. But you can, there is a hotline, and the, the, the hotline does go to uh, MUFON. They used to have it manned 24 hours a day. Um, but you know, funding, <laughs> um, but they, they do have volunteers and staff that will take calls all day long. And, um, if there's something like that, that's going on. And also, you know, there's a section that you can look up section. You can look up your, mm. your state, your representatives in your state and try to get a hold of them. Sometimes they do have phone numbers. Uh, ours does as well. You, you can contact the local chapter who eventually handles those cases anyway that are, that are local. So, there's a lot of different methods of getting a hold of MUFON, but one of the best true methods is either calling them um, directly or filling out the, the report form. And that could be <laughs> about crash or, or um, physical trace evidence as well. So. Now, have you gotten any evidence? Got you on the uh, air. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Yeah, real quick, I mean, since we've got you on the air, then can you yeah. kind of, for some, say somebody, you know, found, I, I, I wouldn't even know, an implant or, 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 you know, just they've got something, they've got a physical, tangible evidence. How would you tell them to handle it so they didn't, you know, contaminate it or muck it up? Well, oh, I mean, let's just, uh, yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, it all, really all, always depends on the material. So, Let's just use one of the examples um, we were just talking about earlier with Lear and, and, and uh, implants, right? We, we actually get this this call or this type of report a lot. Um, a lot of times the implant's still in the person's body, at least sus- suspectedly it, it's still there. Uh, they either have a, a lot of times they'll report to us that they have X-ray uh, evidence that there's a foreign object there, or and or they have also culminating memories of being abducted or experienced. There is a method that our science review board and the STAR team, including the what they call now the experiencer research team headed by Kathleen Martin, um, that have a set standard on how to handle uh, implants or, or physical evidence or biological evidence. Um, and a lot of times the, the first initial recommendation we make to people is one, you know, let's say it's an implant, go to your doctor, get it assessed, and have it removed. Um, if, if, if they choose to, we don't remove it. We don't get into the medical aspects of it. So it's up to the responsibility of the uh, witness. Um, but, um, if they do, then we have a set chain of custody procedures to send it to laboratories to, you know, accompany that we can even set up, you know, a, a schedule to where the witness can accompany the material, uh, you know, so they don't lose it. Um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it'll get lost or somebody will steal it, right? And I said, well, there's a strict chain of custody that needs to be followed as long as it's, you know, in that chain of custody and, it, and it's it's not there. I can't say for certain <laughs> that these things, you know, go missing. I mean, it, let's right. say, let's just assume for a moment that, that it is the real thing. Um, you know, if, let's say, just, and again, this is hypothetical, the thing was put in somebody's body from some civilization that's 10,000 years ahead of us. Well, wouldn't you think that they would know that it's one been removed and two it's on the move? <laughs> so it's right. it's kind of right. like one of those things. You would expect, like, yeah, you would you know, expect. Yeah. yeah, you would you would just have to expect the unexpected when it comes to this stuff because we don't know anything really when it comes to the actual facts about where these things are, what they are, and where they come from. Um, and I don't remember the gentleman's name, um, but he's the guy that's always ha- got a cowboy hat on. But anyway, he, he has a collection of these uh, foreign objects. And um, 
one thing you don't do is handle them with your hands. Uh, one, you're tainting is that, that Daryl Sims? Yeah, Daryl Sims. I, I, I think that's what that is, yeah. And I don't know who's making that noise. It's yeah, Chris Brown. <laughs> yeah, Daryl Sims. That's your, you're you're correct. Uh, you know, stand-up guy. Um, but you know, he has his collection sitting in this shadow box in his house. Um, not really correct methods of handling foreign material, especially if you're going to have it tested. If you ever have it tested, and I don't think he has. Um, it's just kind of hanging out in his collection at home. Yeah. So you know, it's it's that's part of the. It, I'm not mad at Sims or people like them. I'm just disappointed. Meaning, there's so much distrust and so much, you know, not using other disciplines to help, you know, come to conclusions that recklessness happens with actual evidence. Um, and so, I always tell people, don't, you know, don't paint it, don't mess with it. Just put it in a container, or if it's a biological material, just leave it where you found it and have one of our people come by and pick it up or just contain it, you know, put like a lid over it. If it's on the ground, you know, don't touch it. That's the, that's the number one thing. Cause one, there's risks involved. You don't know about those. And there's other things that you have to be mindful of. Uh, one thing you brought up, uh, you mentioned Lloyd Pye's, uh, char- uh, star child, star right? right. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things I've noticed lately, not, not necessarily when Lloyd Pye had it, um, Lloyd Pye, did I say that right? Yeah, yeah, you said right. Yeah. Calling him somebody. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> is that at conventions now, it's going on parade, and if right. you notice, it's being handled with bare hands the whole time. Yes, it's contaminated. And, and it's yeah. like, yeah, it's totally contaminated. And yep. so, how do you get a, a you know, and again, it's already been tested before, actually, right. the geneticists and other people that work with Lloyd on this way, you know, years ago. Um and um, they they just they couldn't determine you know one if it had any unique DNA and what they did find was human. So, but that Shocker. said, you know <laughs> what ha- yeah exactly what happened with the evidence between the time that it was tested and that no one knows because pe- experts were not handling it. They're just collectors, people that were you know it's a it's a novelty. And, and the thing is, is so far the only tests that have been publicized have been ones that are of negative in nature, meaning that it's human. And so people are literally parading around with a human skull. I mean, oh, no. you start thinking yeah. about it that way. That's morbid. Kind of Very morbid. So there's, so there's morbid. nothing out there. There's nothing out there that has uh, unidentifiable DNA. No, I'm not saying that at all. In fact, that, that's oh. the other problem mm. that, DNA that's unidentifiable, we wouldn't know it if it was staring at us in the face because right. we don't you can't have identify DNA it. to compare it to. Right. Yeah. Mm. So, wow. so this this is a big thing that's always run into like with the Bigfoot stuff and the hair. You know, the unidentified apes that they've probably collected the hair from, or or probably something in between an ape and and and, and a Homo sapien or whatever you want to call it. The problem is, is when they do the DNA testing of the hair, and they have legitimately collected DNA evidence in the field, specifically in Asia, not so much in the Americas. But um, the thing is, is it comes up as uh, chimpanzee orangutan. Mm. So it's like that's the only DNA that they can compare it to. So they don't have a Bigfoot DNA that they can they can say, oh, that's definitely not a chimpanzee or that's definitely not a, a, a orangutan. It, it's a Bigfoot. Well, no, they don't have that DNA. So now they get something that has chimpanzee and uh uh, orangutan DNA in it. So, which is it? 
you know, and that's that's the way the lab is going to look at it. They're not going to identify it as unidentifiable DNA because it, it's identifiable. It has the markers, just like we have similar markers to to to, to uh, a pig. Right. It's kind of like well, we share some of those chromosomes, we share some of those strains. Uh, it's just. It, it's never clear cut. See, like a lot of this stuff is reported and, and popular, or at least in the media, they don't explain to the public what a DNA, a DNA test does and what it actually tells you. And so, when they did this skull, the star child skull, they could be looking at something that they that's not human. Problem is, is that it shows you know it'll have like a percentage of comparative to a known species. It's, it was, you know, I don't remember the exact comparison or what they found or what they, but I know that it was, it was by the expert, it was deemed as probable human DNA. Right, I, I so, think they, they said it was half human and half something other than you, you couldn't tell what it was. Uh, but it's funny because, yeah, you know, uh, whether, whether it was human or not, but Clay, uh, Chase uh, Klutsky, uh, now is kind of in charge of the of the skull, and she's been, you know, we we talked to her recently on uh, on Future Theater, and we've had her on the show here, and uh, on if not, and just talking to her, the information that she's coming out with uh, the skull contradicts some of the stuff that Lloyd Pye was working on. Yeah. So there's and now that, two individual that, researchers yeah. coming up with different, you know, different interpretations of the skull. Well, well, the only published information is from what Lloyd did. So right, right. So far, everything else is just hearsay until there's actually a written paper uh, by an expert uh, that will say yay or nay. And with Lloyd, Lloyd understood um, he understood disciplines. He understood that he needed to have people that were experts in their field, not enthusiasts, not book authors, people who are actually practicing scientists in their field. And that's what Lloyd did in his foundation during that time. Now, I'm not saying that that's not what they're doing now. I don't know what they're doing now, but that's what they did, and they and Lloyd didn't give up on it. I think he just kind of said, look, this is what they're saying. It's still right. interesting. We still don't know what it is. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I would only make a decision on anything, you know, that, you know, that extraordinary, right? on actual presented uh, data that proves yes or no. Um, if it doesn't prove that it is or not, it still either needs more work or there needs to be, uh, you know, again, repeated independent study uh, conducted again just to, to verify the, 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 uh, the findings of the first study, right? But no one's doing that. No, and I'm not using this, this, this star child skull as an example, but when it comes to these other things like Roswell and other things like that, or the testing of some of these metals, like the um, mm. the shard, that shard from out in Arizona, what was that stuff called? Um, it was like an aluminum alloy that they found, but it was a uh, molten. It fell from the molten. sky. I actually had the right. filament, and uh, yeah, same thing there. I mean, they they actually had some extensive work done on that metal, and um, which is great, but it's expensive, just like um, uh, Frank Camber uh, dealing with the uh, Roswell. I mean. The metal he found, he did the uh, isotopic uh, analysis and found that it was an isotope that's found off-world, meteorites, you know, things like that. And he took it to the laboratory that was, um, you know, that was uh, certified in doing that specific analysis, right? And so it's expensive, very expensive. So he's now looking to get it independently done. But, you know, how many people want to spend five, ten thousand $10,000 in testing? Right. Not very many, especially on something like this that won't, you know, won't either hedge their career or 
or give their laboratory more funding. They're, no one's going to do it unless it's completely by, you know, virtue or volunteering. So, wow. There are a lot of limits, we, a lot of challenges yeah, we have. Yeah. And that's just an example. <laughs> Yeah, Quite a few. Yeah. Just a yeah, couple. No only only, only, a, only couple. a bunch, you know. Now, in your research, oh, what's the, the case you've researched that really sticks out the most to you as, like, man, I, I, I can't debunk this. This is really good. Uh, you know, that's good. Uh, when it comes to UFOs, physical evidence is hard to deal with, but when it comes right. to the UFO phenomenon, you know, it's the cases that aren't being talked about, really, um, or the cases that are no one's really heard about. So... I think one of the big ones that, that I've come across that one of my colleagues is actually working on, uh, Bill Schroeder, is the 1967 flat that happened all over the East Coast of, of Florida, mainly. But I'm sure it happened much further. It actually happened up in Canada dealing with NORAD. It started there anyway. Uh, and this kind of thing, I don't know if you've heard, uh, you should know this, uh, Angel, is um, the, uh, the Crestview School incident um, mm-hmm. in 1967. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you also have the MIG uh, shot down or whatever down. It just uh, turned off in midair and, and fell apart, and the pilot died. Uh, are you talking about the MIG. one? About, are you talking about the one around Ca- uh, Cuba or the one in Russia? Cuba, Cuba. Uh, Cuba. The, okay. So in Cuba, 1967, around March, I think it's April, March, May. Um, there was a three-week period uh, where uh, we had an incident with NORAD where these unknown objects were coming over what they call the dew line, and they were heading straight south uh, along the eastern seabird. Um, we don't know anything yet, really. Uh, Bill doesn't. I know he has some new research, so he might be talking about that at the symposium coming up in a couple of weeks. But uh, he, um, you know, he, he, he was witness along with his cousin because they were both, he was an operator dealing with the uh, anti-aircraft missile systems, and uh, he was, uh, his cousin was the radar um, up in, I think it was Miami, and uh, Bill was located in key, the Keys uh, at a site there, a missile site. And um, their systems got shut down by this thing because they painted it, they, they targeted it. And um, this was at the same time now through his research that he found happened within a week of the Crestview incident, happened, I think, actually three days, three or four days, if I remember correctly. And also the MIG downing happened within that month. So it was a bigger incident, a much larger incident that happened. Um, and we're just still getting more details of other other incidences reported. And we think that thinking about it, it, it there's probably a much larger incident that happened in the entire United States all the way up the eastern seaboard. Because you know every single one of those missile batteries that we had out there at the time all along the eastern board, seaboard, all the way up to Maine, and including in Canada, were probably doing what Bill was doing, which was trying to paint these unknown targets, and they were probably all being shut down, just like he was. Problem is, we don't have the other end of the story on that one. But we have these two military witnesses who have been researching this this case for, for a while, and, you know, they were finding out that, you know, that the, the Cuban witnesses are still around, and, you know, you still have, uh, you know, other other people that are still around coming forward about the stories, including Crestview. There's, there's a lot around that. Um, so it's um, cases like that that really interested me. And that's partially part of the reason why I, I head up uh, under the Science Review Board, the uh, military sub-team, where we deal with historical military cases that no one really hears about. You know, everybody always talks about Roswell. Everybody always talks about Rendlesham Forest. Important cases. But there's many more cases just like that. <laughs> it's just been, I, I no think, one knows. About. 
I think Roswell always sticks in people's consciousness because of the fact that Roswell was such a big event. Uh, and it was one, like one of the yeah, first big and TV shows. One, yeah, but not, not only that, but it was like it was one of the first really big events that was publicized by the news. There was a newspaper article that said the, the flying disc was recovered by these. Where you know, I mean, yes, the the government came back and retracted everything later, but it was the first time that yeah. we kind of got a glimpse of the government saying, "Hey, aliens are here," you know, and that kind of like stuck, right. I think, with the consciousness of of the entire planet to the point where you know, back then, the percentage of people that believes might have been very small. I think you know mm-hmm. more than I would say more than eighty five, maybe ninety percent of the population now believes that we're not alone. Right, but it's hard to convince them about, you know, it's like, it's funny, um, uh, my colleague uh, Robert Powell kind of made this observation when we were talking about this exact subject, the, the reaction of society to the to this phenomenon, where, you know, we, we, us right now, we're talking about this subject, we view like going to these symposiums or going to this as this big thing, right? But we are such a small niche in this, in our society that, you know, why doesn't, organizations or, or, or things like MUFON have more than 10,000 subscribers. When CNN, when they run a UFO story, you know, they get 10 million hits or 10 million interests into their story out of nowhere. Right. And, right. and, and I've talked to a CNN rep um, who used to work for CNN, uh, and she had talked to me about when they did sweeps like that. And they specifically ran UFO stories because they knew that the public interest was up there. But it's odd that once it's all over, they just forget about it and walk on and they don't look up. They don't care about, you know, the research that's going into the subject matter. It's fleeting interest. And then it's always entertainment. So you always get these shows on TV that people like to see, but no one really has stepped over that veil of seriousness, you know, where it's right now, it's still in everybody's mind as a, Oh wow, that's a neat thing moment, you know. Whereas, well, would you say would you say that, well, that, that a lot? Do you say the interest really comes back every time we have like a major uh, movie event, like a Star Wars or an X Files on TV? Do you think those kind of oh, like yeah. things bring back the excitement or it. the interest? Yeah. Oh yeah, we see it in our data. I mean, when <laughs> when Mufon had that show uh, on on H two, I think, um, you know, we were getting more cases than we could handle be honest with you and and then when x-files came back on television there was another you know oh my gosh <laughs> what are we doing you know we're Goodness. getting all these cases. <laughs> so it, it, it really is it's it, it it's an interest it's a fleeting interest still uh I, I think you know like when they did what was that uh recent dc event where they did the mock uh hearing um it shows right. you you know they took they took some senators or retired senators in some cases uh, not, you know, off duty, but they were mostly retired or part of it. Um, but they came out, you know, with this, oh, okay, what am I getting myself into thing into, I didn't realize it was this serious. Um, even to the point to where Senator Byrd, I think of West Virginia, you know, was seriously combating the secrecy behind the whole Roswell situation, because that's about when it was coming out, you know, late eighties, eighties, and they started becoming real public about it. Um, and was Senator, you know, I guess uh, reportedly had gotten a lot of interest into finding out, you know, why is there a secret? And even within the own Air Force, I think, was trying to figure out what happened because, you know, they were getting reports of this incident that happened in 1947. And so I think when there's a major report of something, sort of like the Phoenix Lights, 
you get a huge influx of interest, both in media and seriousness into a serious field. And then it quickly goes back into this um, untouchable uh, area of uh, taboo. Um, and, and anybody who knows this and it you know does does this research and tries to hold a day job knows that in many cases not all <laughs> but many cases that their employers don't like to see their you know them involved in stuff like this because it's embarrassing right, right? yeah so it's um it's still not there yet and, and we still haven't you know with the work or with any kind of real research have convinced the public as a whole that they need to take it serious and until well, they think- do it's still yeah. No, please continue. Oh, I was going to say, until they do, you know, we're still going to be what we are now, where we get a little bit of interest from the public, uh, and we're really just doing these independent projects for ourselves, in a sense, uh, <laughs> until that day comes, you know, until until people really start taking it serious and say, hey, this is a real thing. I mean, we, uh, we just took on a case not too long ago, um, or at least Robert Powell and, and I think another state, I think it's Oklahoma, um, where a uh, scientist um, who owns his own engineering company was up on a hunting trip up in Canada and with his colleagues uh, that he had with him. And they all saw this UFO or a couple of UFOs, but really up close. Um, and it caused interference in their equipment, their monoscopes, the hunting monoscopes that they had. You know, there was, and they got to see these the silver dumbbell shaped UFO, you know, within a, like maybe a hundred yards of them, which is actually pretty close for an object that size. So it, it changed that person's perspective forever. Now, that's what it takes though. And, and unfortunately, wow. you, not everybody can have a UFO sighting, right? So <laughs> until everybody sees a UFO, they're right. not going to take it as serious mm-hmm. as the scientist yeah, does. Sure. And, or, you know, and or we come up with irrefutable evidence and, that kind of segues into what I was going to bring up, which is the active investigation of this phenomenon, which is really just getting started. Um, you have projects like UFO Talk. You have projects like UFO Data. You have the CubeSat project out of Canada. You have another project out in uh, California where they're building systems to collect data uh, on, you know, unusual aerial phenomenon. And um, very sophisticated systems, nonetheless, uh, in some cases. Um, and even here in Florida, we're trying to work on, we're working with um, a little bit with the uh, camera people from the uh, Sentinel, uh, Sky Sentinel software developer who created the software, the visual radar that runs the all-sky cameras. Okay. And um, they're very interested in, in what we do. And we're trying to recreate the same systems. We're just building the same cameras using piggybacking their system because it, it does everything we want it to do, which is visually track um, objects in the sky, and um, including meteorites. And in these cases, they create little data packages that track meteorites, right? And they've been able to use the system for many years uh, to even track meteorites that hit the ground, right? So they're able to go to the location based on what the camera data showed them. Um, it can triangulate. It can actually c- calculate speed and trajectory, and ultimately, in meteorite or meteors, uh, in their case, uh, impact. So they can actually pretty successfully wow. uh, um, predict uh, Im- impact. Um, so in in that case, we can still use that same system to track unknowns. And in fact, their systems have picked up some stuff. Um, 
over the years. I think they even posted one um, from the Florida MIT or FIT uh, cameras that there was a, a weird reflective object that was up in the sky, but it was at night. You know, it was reflecting like I think like the tree, the streetlights or something, but it was really large and it was above, but you can barely see it. But it, it, it triggered the cameras, and mm. um, so stuff like that, which I think is is going to be the future of ufology where we are actually no longer chasing stories that we're actually collecting the data of an event and then going out and finding the witnesses. Uh, I think that's where the change will occur where you'll have actual evidence, hard evidence uh, with a proven process that shows, Hey, this is what they recorded. This is what happened. And in our system that we're doing here in Florida is so simple. It's not really it's just the beginning, but you have things like UFO tag and UFO data that are, you know, creating these $20,000 units that, that, you know, do everything from gamma ray detection pulses, uh, gamma ray pulse detection to, uh, you know, uh, multi-spectrum light um, recording in the, he- in, 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 the uh, in regards to UFO data and the Hesdalen lights, which, which uh, Erling Strand has been working on for many years. Um, and so there's a lot to moving forward with new technologies that I think are going to change things. It's, it's, it's going to change to the point to where we know UFO phenomenon is real, but we don't know what it is all. And it could be multiple things. You know what I mean? So it's like, we're always mm-hmm. trying to say, well, you know, they're from outer space or saucers or, you know, whatever it is, but there's so much variety of things we don't understand that I think it'll, it'll really, I think it, a lot of it's going to be totally unexpected. And, um, I'm and that's what's so to. intriguing. Yeah, exactly. And, and well, you know, some, somebody told me once. Uh, somebody told me once that what reality is is so much weirder than what we expected it to be. That when we find out the truth, and what we see, when we find when we find out the truth of what reality really is, we're going to be blown away because we're going to be speculating for years, and then when it hits us and we really are told what's really been going on, it's still going to be so fresh and so new to us because it's completely different from all the speculation and all the theories and all the stories and everything else. Yeah, you're going to be mind-blown by what reality really is out there. (laughs) Uh, And and I believe that. I believe that, you know, we we might have some pieces of the puzzle, but I think the the puzzle is so big that once we see the whole mm-hmm. thing put together, it's going to blow all our minds. And you know, one aspect of this thing, and I think a lot of people kind of lose track or lose track of this, is that a lot of the stuff that people are seeing are our own very uh, our own crafts, stuff that we've created over the years. And that's part, I think, of the of the cover up is that we have this technology, and uh, we're not you know showing it to the whole public, but we have to test fly it, we have to use it. We have to go places, and I think part of what the discovery of what the reality is is that we've probably colonized several planets in our solar system. We're probably using this technology for many, many years, and that's going to be part of the mind-blown aspect when we realize, wait a second, we got bases on Saturn's moons and got bases <laughs> on Mars, got bases yeah. all over the place that we've created ourselves over the last, you know, 100 years. And that, I think, and you might gotta be look something. At it, yeah, and you you got to look at it this way, too. It's like if you had the ability to do that. Okay, let's say you're in a command position, right, Angel? Okay, imagine Angel is. Uh, That's a dangerous thing, right there. Age, <laughs> and, and you guys have an. You don't want my finger on that trigger, buddy. You just don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you you can you can kind of put yourself in their shoes. Well, let's mm-hmm. take you know. Let's take Richard Dolan's uh, hypothesis on the secret space program, um, and the argument is is you know, should or shouldn't they do what they do, you know, if that's true. Well, if they went public with everything that they're doing, 
they wouldn't be able to accomplish things as fast as they would in a political structure. You know, sort of like why the Pentagon has black budget is because anytime that there's an official budget, nothing ever gets finished because it's government, right? Well, they need the the $14,000 toilet seat, you know. Exactly, you know, they're the, comfortable. They're... For the spa- it's well, you for know the what, space though? Fleet. It's an anti. It's actually an anti-gravity toilet seat. Cooper store. Which would be cool. That would be cool. And I think that what we're talking about now is one of the reasons why it's so hard for the mainstream public to get a grasp on this. Because, you know, it's okay to kind of think about UFOs and then dismiss it because if you really thought about it, now just think about about the belief systems that get shattered. One, Mm -hmm. you're not alone in the universe. Two, the government is lying to you. You know, and then it just snowballs from there. People's, I think, mm-hmm. I think that's really one of the reasons why it can't. It mainstream, the mainstream has such a problem grasping it. Is it's because of the implications. I mean, everybody can talk about MK Ultra, but I guess everybody believes that magically the CIA just stopped making mind control soldiers. I mean, you don't like, you know, right. we just think that we just like for us, it's not a big deal. We know the government lies to us. We know NASA lies to us. We know about Hillary these Clinton. things. But for the yep. app, right? Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders, all He's of them. He's not government. You know? He's not a government. He's not government <laughs> yet. All of them. Stop drinking the Kool Aid. Um, so <laughs> I mean, so I mean, but the average American, I mean, they've got the job, the kids, or whatever. I don't have time to think that. Oh my God, too many there other might things, be an alien. Too many distractions, too many other things. Right? Like, come on. Especially when you know well, it, religious it, people. I mean, forget yeah. about it. <laughs> well, it's like what does that mean for God? Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like if, if a military had an opportunity to have an edge. They would do it. In fact, they would be responsible to do it. If, if, if that's their job, right, to be the best. And so they're struck. Not to say that it's right or wrong. I'm, I'm not a, a you know, a, you know, a secrecy in, in some forms is necessary. But secrecy, like we've been seeing in the last you know decade or two, um, has been kind of reckless and stupid. But but um, but yeah, I mean, you have to expect them to do it. They're going to do it, and they're going to keep it secret. And people. My father was a was a colonel in the Air Force, and he always told me that the military can't keep secrets. And I kind of disagreed with him, but I agreed with him at the same time. I said, you know, you're right and you're wrong, Dad. <laughs> and this is, again, coming from a teenager. Um, <laughs> they, they, they can't keep secrets because we're talking about them, right, all the mm-hmm. time. We're talking about the secrets they're supposed to be keeping. So they're not actually technically keeping the secrets. But we still don't have access to the secrets. But we know they're right. there. But, you know, it's kind of like we're on the fence of knowing what they know. But we, we know that they know, but we can't, you know, we don't know. <laughs> we know you know, we but we know. You know that we know that we know that you know that we know. But we don't know nothing. And, and I'll give you a perfect example <laughs> But we don't know. That. That's right. A it's a John Snow. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's a, there's a researcher named Paul Dean out of Australia. and yeah, heard of um, Paul Dean. He, he has probably been the most prolific uh, in finding and chasing the, the rabbit down the rabbit hole when it comes to military documentation of UFOs. And, um, you know, sort of, uh, sort of in the sta- same, uh, is sort of in the same route, I guess, is, um, uh, let's see, who would that be? Uh, well, John Greenwald, for instance. But Paul has started to really look at where, what happened to UFO investigations within the military and he's really on un- he's really uncovered a lot of documents you know talking about instances that never made into the blue book that were year you know that were around the years of the blue book and also after the years well beyond 
when they said funding is no longer being put into the investigation of UFO incidents. Now, granted, a lot of it has to do with unknown aircraft, meaning foreign aircraft or untailed, you know, you know, aircraft without, um, you know, monitors or, or what, what do they call those things? Uh, the uh, their ID that are that show up on the radar. Yeah, and yeah. um, in yeah, and so. But at, at the same time, they have incidences of major incidences that they talk about in these files. And the thing is that the government kept changing agencies, like either for funding or budget purposes, but they would just make up agencies as they went along. Mm -hmm. So it would be like the fund for search, uh, understanding uh, aerial phenomenon or weather, aerial and weather phenomena. And they would send it to this organization to take a look at what happened. They have the radar data, the video, and everything. Uh, from the pilot. And so they would send it to this organization. This organization would be around for three, maybe four years, and then they would move it, or they would change the name, or merge it into another agency that they created. Um, and it was constantly doing this, and he can't, he's going through the paperwork chronologically, and he's chasing it down. And he keeps finding mm -hmm. out, oh, they changed the acronym, they changed the name, they changed the agency or, the, or this think tank that they send this stuff to now. And so it, it, it has been funded. And it has been going on since and in, in persistent past Blue Book. And really, if you think about it, and this goes back to what I was just saying earlier, if if this phenomenon's real, no matter what form it's in, whether it's a risk to uh, a flight risk to our pilots in the sky or not, they will continue to look into this because if there's even the small percentage that this stuff is real and what it can do it would be irresponsible for the Air Force not to continue researching and trying to understand it. And for them to come out and say, we no longer, you know, research or investigate UFOs is total malarkey. It is completely up their alley. And they have kept doing it for many years after that. And, and, and through these documents, it's, it's all there. It's, it's just, and you've got to look at it this way. The government is very bureaucratic and very, very, um, in some cases, unorganized. And, right. um, and and there's copies upon copies made of certain files or memos or whatever. Uh, I mean, just look at the email you know, controversy now with the Clinton. Mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton. Uh, yep. um, they're reckless. And, and they're, they're, the archives are spread out everywhere. Sometimes they forget that they had archives in some places. And, and so they're getting when, away with like, it. Yeah, and they're getting away with it. And John Greenwald is... You know, found he he would do FOIA requests, right? He would get one document from one agency with all these you know redactions on it, and then he would get one from the other, like the Air Force, the Department of Air Force, or something like that, and it would be unredacted. So so who's deciding what gets redacted and what doesn't? And and that's that shows you where where there's problems and where there's loopholes where you can you know eventually find what's going on, and that's what kind of what Paul Dean has done. He's kind of taken that playbook from John Greenwald. And just use that to his advantage. And uh, he's gotten calls now from like officers within some of these agencies, and uh, where they're they want to have a meeting with him and try to discuss you know, <laughs> what he's doing. <laughs> and uh, he's like, you know, it, it, it's 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 just it, it's there. The information's there. You just have to be willing to work your keister off to, to get it. And um, and that's what a lot of these really good researchers like Marler and you know, uh, John Greenwald, and, uh, you know, th that's, that's why we, that's why, you know, most of these speakers that we have coming up to the symposium, we, we kind of picked them because of that. I mean, we have people that you've probably never heard of that are there, which is good. And then we also mm -hmm. have people like, you know, Robert Hastings, 
who's, right, who's right. probably one of the most important figures right now, living figures in ecology, because of what he's uncovered. Um, and you know, and it, and it goes, and it's factual. It's not just like, well, this is this you know scribbled document that I found in a box that a cousin from her, her sister's found in her father's you know uh, briefcase before he died. You know, no, this is like <laughs> he actually acquired the uh, and interviewed the radar operators that were at Rendlesham during the incident, and the fact that they also had incidents happening before that he has actual testimony from those people that were there. And if you look at the, the whole spectrum of like the Anders Rendlesham uh, case, you have people from all ranks. So you almost practically have half that base saying, yeah, something happened, you know, and, and it happened this way. But then you start getting into the details and people start calling each other names and liars mm. and things like that. But, but that happens. But, um, but yeah, that whole thing's turned into a little bit of a drama fest. Uh, that, uh, it has. Yeah. And you, you, the best way to look at things like that is to look, you know, objectively at testimony and record. That's all you have to look at. If there's record that proves, you know, well, then they say, well, they messed with your records. Well, why didn't they mess with the other people's records? You know, they found them. And then you have, uh, not Halt, but um, who's the gentleman that was an MP that uh, got the lawyer? Um, he was just in Burroughs. Burroughs? Uh, you have, yeah, you have Burroughs who, you know, he got 100% coverage. And I, I went through this with my stepfather, not getting the proper coverage from the VA, right, for his injuries. He was a spy plane, uh, and uh, he was exposed to RF radiation, essentially, and through my research, and he got cancer, and eventually is what killed him, right? Well, he never, he got 30% coverage on his right ear, okay? That's all they would give him. But wow. Burroughs, because he had a lawyer, <laughs> got 100% coverage. Wow. Because he was exposed to UAP radiation. Hmm. What the heck's that? You know, and they have, and they got that through FOIA. They got that directly from an archive that got his medical record released. They couldn't, no one could alter it in time. Nobody could do anything. And they ended up getting it through, you know, probably a mistake from one of the departments. And, uh, and it says right there in plain English, you know, exposed to UAP radiation. <laughs> wow. Like, so they acknowledged it through, and that's why they they stalled for so many years not to give him his records because that's what mm -hmm. it said in those records. And they were afraid, you know. Of course, anybody would be afraid, and those if they wanted to keep it secret. Well, mm -hmm. they said, well, we need to we need to doctor those documents so they don't say that. And they said, well, what right. other archives are these documents in? Oh, I don't know. Oh no, they could be everywhere, you know. And it's like. They couldn't add or they couldn't do anything to him because they didn't know how many other copies there are in other agencies. <laughs> so right, right. you know, and, and and if they if they found out that there was a, a copy that was altered from one agency versus another, there would be even a bigger controversy. So oh, wow. they kind of you know, they kind of got painted themselves in a corner there. The one thing that always gets me are like deathbed confessions, like uh, Boyd Bushman and and, and folks mm -hmm. like that who come, who come in and uh, give out their confession before they die. Uh, they have nothing to gain. Yeah. From coming forward, you know, near death. No. I mean, you, those. those you, are... I want to go ahead. I was going to say. I'm sorry. I was going to say. Do you notice something? You um, let's take two of them. Actually, one's not a deathbed, but you know, could be one day. But um, mm -hmm. but you take him for for instance. You. What are the controversial things that he said during his deathbed con uh, confession? Most of it, just like the Serpo stories from um, the. Uh, 
the defense minister from Canada. Um, right. Their statements about the phenomenon, for the most part, never came from them. They weren't right. their own stories. They're always somebody else's stories. You have to be very careful with when they, these people start saying these things. You look behind it. Now, he, he, he actually has a legitimate personal experience story, you know, to tell. But then somehow it gets mired in these pictures of the doll, alien doll, right. and then it gets right. mired into all this other stuff that had nothing to do with him. And somehow there's this mystery source, right? It was pretty bad. It gave him all this information. Yeah. Yeah. And it made him look bad. It did. I mean, you you just look, you read it, you read into it, and you see it, and it made him look terrible. It discredited Mm -hmm. him. Now, was it planned that way? I mean, if I were an intelligence agent um, and I had a job to do, that's the easiest way to do it, is to have a person look stupid in the public eye. And, And that's what I think happens to a lot of these people who go out and start telling these stories on you know, whether it's a deathbed confession or or not and you start hearing stories that aren't their own meaning they heard from a person or a reliable source or you know this researcher that is unnamed or this this witness that came to me and we served in the same unit came to me and told me all this you've got to be careful with that and and, and and it's sad to see somebody like him who really was a true scientist engineer and what he did turn into telling somebody else's story that he was given, you know? Right. Yeah. And um, and, it, and it actually muddies his own story, which is probably just as extraordinary, you know? And, and you know, that's, that's the part. That, that's another observation that a lot of the researchers that have been around for a while have noticed. Well, you can also, you, you, know, can, you can look at even folks, uh, um, and I hate to bring him up because, you know, he's passed, but Edgar Mitchell, for example, he never had an yeah. encounter with aliens, he just went out of other people's well, stories, and yeah, Edgar, yeah, you're right, Edgar didn't, um, but he had, right. he had, um, he always talks about the other astronaut story, which was right, um, other people's stories, yeah, it, yeah, exactly, and he, he, he's always, I guess, from what I've heard, he was just had this fleeting interest in it, and he really thought that it needed to be taken serious, like most of the, the astronauts. I mean, there's a reason why some of these guys come to our symposiums. I mean, because they they have a true interest in in the subject matter, um, and not just because you know we paid a person to come to be our keynote. I mean, why would they come to a niche conference? And MUFON is a niche conference. I, no no other way of looking at it. But it is an interest to the public. But they still come to them. Uh, we we have people that are in the audience that that you know you would never suspect that would show up to these things, and it's because they either have their own personal experience or they have a really you know, strong interest in the subject. It's a serious subject matter. When you really it look really at is. it, and especially yeah. if you're a witness, it, it is serious. It's, it, and I, I know this sounds morbid, but it's, it's as serious as murder. You know, it, it's, um, it's very serious. And, and I think that's where that, you know, again, that there's a that divide with the general public and the research community where, or honestly, the two most, the most two serious questions I think that we face in life is: Are we alone in the universe, and is there life after death? That's mm-hmm. it. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's probably the two big ones. Very difficult yeah. to answer. Yeah. I mean, that of course, and, and what made the Spice Girls popular? Nobody knows that. That's <laughs> what? Those mysteries of, of the universe. All the words you liked, them. you did. Don't lie. Okay, I admit it. Everybody secretly yeah, likes at least one Spice Girl song. I've, I believe mm. this. 
at no, least that's one. A, that's a, Full face lie. Uh, like and let me let, let me segue this back into your father before we, we go off off the train yeah. train here. Uh, Mirage Men. Uh, this was a mm-hmm. documentary that came out which uh, which blew my mind because I wasn't you know fully aware of what happened with Rick Doty and and all this stuff that yeah, happened. Doty and Richard Doty. Yeah, Richard Doty. Yeah, Richard Doty. I always call him Doty. Uh, Richard Doty and uh, <laughs> you know, what happened with him that he went bananas because of the. Mind control uh, manipulation that was happening with Paul Benowitz and them. Uh, you know, that in itself kind of tells you, wait a second, if the, if the government was doing this to this one guy um, and it was all make-believe, uh, you know, could everything that we've been kind of looking at in the last 25, 30 years from ufology be just a bunch of bonk from the government to keep us distracted like a magic act? You know, you know how a magician does the trick. One hand does the trick, the other hand kind of fools you to look at it while the other hand is actually doing the mm-hmm. magic. You know, could that be what's been going on the last uh, 50, 60 years? Um, I think that it's a little both. I think that, you know, there's been opportunities that couldn't be missed by intelligence officers like Doty. Also, people like Doty, you can't take the word for anything. It's kind of like he could also yeah. be just embellishing his own story, which which is probably mostly true. Um, a lot of what he did with Benowitz is known, and it happened. A lot of it that he did to Benowitz himself, Mm-hmm. Probably a lot of that went beyond his own command, which means his command didn't want him to do what he did, but he did it anyway because he, right. it was fun. Um, you know, I mean, he was driven crazy, Benowitz. He was he was oh, nuts. Yeah. I mean, he was doing he was doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, messing with him. And then you had you know, it wasn't just Benowitz though. I mean, he was getting himself involved with other people like with Linda Bolton Howe. Uh, you know, and people right, like that. Right, when he's right. inviting them over to the base to, to look at a document, but you can't write anything down. You can only read it for a minute, and then I have to take it back. And it's like, what kind of clown, you know, clowning around is this? You know, and, and a lot of people don't realize, or you know, people like Doty more. You know, a lot of the stories that get thrown around, like Serpo and, and things, came from these guys. I mean, right. this is where this stuff was coming from. And, and it's funny, like people say, "Oh, the Serpo story is so real." Well, maybe there is some truth to it. But the story's been so mired um, that, that, you know, it, it, you just hear about the argument that both Doty and, and Moore and, and the other author, I can't remember his name, but, you know, the argument was, well, let's write the book about it, but it has to be nonfiction because we need to sell books. It's like, really? So if you have um, an actual source telling you, you know, this this incident, you're just going to write a, a, a nonfiction. This goes back to what we were originally talking about in the beginning, remember? To make money or to make a, a, success, a successful project, they mm-hmm. preferred to write it as a fiction story or non-fiction story. Sorry, um, and so it kind of tells you where a lot of this stuff gets bled into. And even some of my own colleagues and volunteers sometimes believe it, and they'll believe it first off. And then when they see something like this documentary or read the book um, about what Doty is and what he did, they're like, "Oh my gosh!" Just like what you said. So what is a lie, or what's the truth, and what's not? And I think the UFO phenomenon is real. I think that a lot of what has been done is to muddy the waters to make things harder to pin down. And and chasing old stories, chasing old cases, it's becoming much harder and harder every, for every year that passes because it's much easier to discredit things as things get older. And and I think like what, which, what was happening with Benowitz was happening live. It was happening right there. And there were legitimate military projects going on at that air base, not just, you know, alien stuff, but, you know, legitimate like electronic warfare slash intelligence stuff. Um, what was part of what Benowitz was hearing? And again, you got to look at what 
Benowitz's statements were, even before he was deemed, you know, crazy, he was making statements that were pretty assumptive, right. you know, about things. And so he already had that mindset. And so all Doty had to do was just egg on that personality that, that Benowitz already had. Benowitz was a genius. He was a smart man, but he probably had a few screw looses and Doty knew that. And, and, and for somebody like Doty, uh, he just used it to his advantage. Yeah, know? to complete and, advantage um, of the man. Absolutely. And, you know, and no one really knows. I mean, there's a reason why Doty's probably not, you know, employed with his original employer anymore. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's probably past retirement, but, but, you know, he, there was a reason why he was working as a security guard at a, at a, oh, what was it? The, uh, what was it? it wasn't Walmart. It was one of those stores. Target. Um, was it Target? Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Poor guy. But, I mean, how, how much of, yeah, how much of his yeah, story do, do you deem legit though? I mean, yeah, we know Paul Benowitz, uh, is, he passed, what, it's 2003? He passed away. And we know that yeah. he definitely had a, a, a mental breakdown and, you know, we know that stuff. But how much of what Doty said was true about what they did to Paul Benowitz? You know, I mean, how much do you, you think? Can, you'll actually, never know. You, you, that's a problem. You can yeah. never trust somebody like Doty. He's lied once. He lied twice on himself over again, and then he, and then him and more, more showing. You know, at the at the Mufon Symposium, I think it was like 1980, um, saying what he was he was actually working with intelligence officers to pass on information about other UFO investigators. I mean, so it's like. They were, you know, whoever, you know, the group of people or probably separate agencies were doing, is that they were taking advantage of weak-minded individuals, and and yep. all those individuals were weak-minded, and that's what ended up happening. They took advantage. What stories are true? Gosh, now you can't trust Doty. Anything he says, ever. And I think Alejandro kind of said this to me because he he interviewed the. the uh, the writers and of that documentary and everything who actually got to talk to Doty and, and, and he said, you know, he, he's gone back on himself more times. You cannot trust him no matter what he says. He could be lying about both stories for all that we know. And, and, and that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, seriously. That's, yeah, he could. That's what makes it yeah. so difficult. And, 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 it, and that's why I'm like, you know, I think there needs to be a new approach to all this. I, I think those historical cases are legit. I think, it, but I think it's time to move on. I think now we need to start utilizing the technology that we have today to start actually collecting the evidence of the uh, incidences. I mean, that's what the military was doing back in the day. I mean, as far back as the 50s, they were collecting data on these things. We need to start doing that. Um, and we need to start learning uh, what we can about this phenomenon. And um, I think that's, you know, we're actually holding a uh, what they call the Skyskin Summit um, and social, uh, I think it's on yeah, it's Saturday night at 9 p.m. after the last speaker, where we're pulling most of the representatives from those projects together in a panel discussion. It's a private meeting. Uh, of course, you know, Angel, you're invited. Um, yeah. you know, anybody at the media, Thank you, you investigators, researchers, and the speakers mm-hmm. are invited to it. But we'll record it, too, so it's not like it's going to go away. It's essentially trying to bring these groups together uh, and to start some sort of cooperation and understanding of where they need to go. Not, not control, but letting them do independent projects, but just start to let them, uh, you know, start having conversations about ideas, implementation of their ideas. I think they need to start getting off the ground. And once they do, I think more eyes will start opening up about what this phenomenon is about, and we'll start to actually learn more about it um, from a, you know, 
now standpoint versus right. trying to look back 40, 50 years of, you know, history. So, I mean, there's still a lot to be learned about history, and that's why we have people like, um, you know, Paul Dean and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and um, John Greenwald. And I, I think we still need to do that. But I, at the same time, I think we need to start changing some gears around it. And uh, we need to come up with a new approach. Cause, you know, we, it's funny. Even I, in MUFON, we're... No, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sure it's much better than MUFON, MUFON, we look at, <laughs> we look at his, you know, we're looking at our data now. And it's like we're trying to glean what we can learn from that data. And I think we're starting to see the just the, the, the sheer volume of what we have to deal with. And I think oh, it's I can time imagine. to start utilizing that data. Yeah. You know, it's funny, uh, I was going to say that a good friend of mine, Jesse Randolph, coined the term uh, new guard in ufology, and that mm-hmm. ufology really needs that new guard uh, that kind of looks at it from a different angle and with a little bit of a skeptical eye and, and really dissects the information a little differently than has been done in the past to get to the meat of the matter of what's happening in ufology. Uh, and, and that kind of goes along with what you're saying here. I mean, we really do need that new guard. In a, in yeah. a, in a sense. I 100% agree. As you know. So shout yeah, out to Jesse Randolph. Well, that too, and, and, and the level of technology that we can kind of bring to some of these things right. now. So, I mean, I mean, that, I think that's why, you know, it's so important to, to tell people, you know, how to handle the evidence, what to do mm-hmm. if you find these types of things. So, you know, we can do that. You know, so we can start to look at it as, you know, not just eyewitness testimony, but let's really analyze this. Let's really right. see what we've got here. Um, I mean, because that, that's really the only way that we're going to bring any kind of legitimacy to the topic. Yeah, I mean, if you said if you sit back and you studies, you know. Yeah, if you sit back and you just believe anything that people come at you, just you know, on faith, uh, you're going to get mm-hmm. you know nothing but fantastical stories because people are going to want to outsell you by coming up with better stories so they can write books and go on tours, run for presidential uh, candidate, you know, candidacy, which is all made up. <clears throat> Andrew Bassagio. You know, you're going mm-hmm. to have the people like that of the world that are going to come out with these outlandish stories that there's a jump route to Mars and, and the, you know, you jump, yeah. you know, to another time and, you know, there's a little boy in a picture. Yeah, there's a little, a uh, little boy in a picture from the 1800s. His face you can't see because it's all blurry, but that's really him. You know, you're going you're to have people like that. You're going to have the Billy Myers of the world who looks at a Dean Martin video mm-hmm. and takes a picture with his, with his camera and is like, oh, those are the aliens that kidnapped me, these two hot blondes. You know, you're going to have these people who can take advantage of global people because they believe everything that people, you know, these people say. And it's unfortunate. Oh, yeah. Because they, they were, there's never been that guard, that system that really, like, dissects it and, you know, puts these people in their place and removes them from the fodder. And, and allows the you know the real cases to be really dissected and studied by MUFON and by organizations which are which are credible mm-hmm. and which are really trying to get the truth out there. Yeah, yeah, and it, 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 it's like and it's yeah, it's, it's more science needs to happen. It's just simple. yeah, more science needs mm-hmm. to occur. Uh, I think there's a lot of move you know with not just you know organizations but individuals and. People who get bored, you know, and they want to do more. They want to. They, they, and the, the one thing I've heard from people sometimes is, "Well, science isn't the only answer." And you know, I, I kind of look at them and I say, "Actually, it kind of is in this case." <laughs> it's like, um, I'm not sure, you know, where you're going with that argument, but I understand what you mean on a belief standpoint when it comes to just believing and having faith in something. But that's not what this is about. This is nuts and bolts. Um, I've even seen major authors make the statements like, uh, 
Jacques Vallée, you know, the, one of our grandfathers of ufology, right? Uh, start to bank into this, well, since we can't explain it, it must be cerebral. Uh, therefore, there's no legitimate explanation that we'll ever find. I don't right. accept that at all. I don't agree. And I can disagree with Vallée, but he's mm-hmm. a brilliant man. Um, but, you know, I think that came from frustration of not getting answers over many years. And yep. and I look back at, you know, mo- and I've read most of his books, and I look back at all the things that he's ever done or been involved in, and I just think that just like we are plagued now, he was plagued with the lack of true involvement from the scientific community. Um, and that's what caused a lot of failure in the research because they didn't have access. You know, um, they didn't have what what they needed. They didn't have the tools they needed to, to truly dig their you know claws into this phenomenon. And I think it's just been conjecture and talk and sense. And a lot of researchers like Valet over time, I'm sure, have become frustrated and, and not being able to answer that question. What is what is going on here? And um, and then they start. And it's fine. I mean, anybody can you can come up with a hypothesis all day long, but I don't think that giving up on what you know, starting up, it, it's like a, I always use this analogy every time I talk about this. I said it's not that you know this. You know, you've, and I'm sure you guys have been to conferences a lot. There's a lot of talk about consciousness. We need to go consciousness side of things to learn right. more about this. And I say, I said, okay, I'm not disputing that telepathy and psychic phenomenon or this consciousness exists. I'm not saying it doesn't. But what I'm saying is, is that we're human beings. And we need to start at that first step. We can't take advantage of the steps and skip them. You know, like when you were a kid, you used to right. run up the stairs really fast, and your mom would yep. say, you better stop doing that, you're going to fall on your face. And sure enough, you know, I fall on my face and break it. Yeah. right? So that's the kind of analogy that mm-hmm. you're using for this type of phenomenon is one step at a time, guys. I Just think because you need it's both. Hard. I yeah, do. You do. I really do think you, you need both. I mean, because... E- I, we're dealing with a fantastical subject. I mean, you just are. Yeah. And I absolutely believe we have to have the science in place to study it. But I think that, I mean, I, I just, I would caution that we don't get bogged down because science can become very arrogant in what science knows right. and what science doesn't know. You know, and then when we kind of lose that imagination or we have to say, well, we can't do this, we have to do this and that, I think we're kind of missing the point. I mean, because we're talking about a very, fantastical I mean it's fucking aliens <laughs> you know like well, let's, let's just be real I, about it it's aliens <laughs> you know well when I when I'm talking about consciousness I'm talking about you know the Greers and people sitting in a room and meditating the truth into their brain um <laughs> I uh, wish that's, yeah. yeah I wish that would uh, hey man man life would be <laughs> awesome if I could do that um right but, I, um, but oh Greer's a character let me tell you <laughs> uh, well, don't get me to start with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so the um, Bureau Beach is all I gotta say. But um, the um, what I'm saying is that we'll eventually get to a point to where we understand consciousness. But as a civilization, right now, absolutely not. We're not even close to understanding any of that, and we won't do. It. We won't accomplish anything right now on that on that regards. I think we need to learn more about our world and about this phenomenon in this case, if we're just micro, you know, using this microcosm here, which is kind of hard to do with this subject matter, but 
looking at the phenomenon as it's nuts and bolts and learning as much as we can about the physicality of what it is, okay, and then moving forward and understanding things that will seem like magic now, but later will be fact. So it's kind of like it's not going to be in our lifetime. I think some more than others will probably learn more about this phenomenon than others, but I think it's a slow process, and you have to do one step at a time. You've got to start somewhere, and the problem is yeah. if we keep – stopping at the bottom step and we're just like it's too hard i'm just gonna so are, are, are you of the mind are you of the mindset like i am that we're never going to get full disclosure by the government at least not in our lifetime uh never you'll never get it from our government it's going to come from us it's going to come from mm. the public it's going to come from an incident uh outside the control uh, of any kind mm. of government access and you got to remember there's governments all over the world so right, right. what's going on there it's same thing Kind of, it's 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 like you know some people have toys, some people don't. And they don't want the other team to know what they have, and it's kind of like that's what's been going on for a long time geopolitically with right. this phenomenon. Um, so, but the Chinese, you know, funny enough, have actually been more open about the phenomenon than anybody, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. than any other country. I mean, minus some of the South American countries, um, and they're 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 strict oligarch, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. Well, they're coming. You know, their 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 national astronomer is coming out. Yeah, we know they're there, and we're actually been communicating with them. <laughs> really, he made that statement, and it was public statement. It was translated, and probably translated a little bit wrong. But it's, uh... I heard something interesting from China, and I don't know if it's true. My brother has spent way too much time watching silly videos on YouTube. But he recently heard that the Chinese. Oh, it's great! It's hilarious. But he recently heard that the Chinese have said that people in their country are no longer allowed to watch movies about time travel. And there That's was a weird. it was an interesting yeah, that was really weird. It was a reason oh. about culture that for some reason that if we know if we were, you know, being, you know, watching those movies about, you know, the future or whatever was disrespectful to the past and the present or it was some reason that sounded okay, but you know, to our brains were like, That's really weird. I That's don't know weird. if there's any truth to it. I just thought I didn't know if anybody else had heard that, but you mentioned China and that came to my brain that Well China is very picky of you over there. Yeah. China's very picky in the movies they get to see from the West also. I mean, they, they, for example, uh-huh. the new Star Trek movie that came out, Star Trek Beyond, they wouldn't play it in China. They just, they were not the, released it, which cost the movie, it cost the movie from being a hit to being a flop because, you know, China was a huge market for the last two movies. Uh, but for whatever reason, they don't want to play it there and it has to do with the subject matter, um, that, you know, the movie deals with. Uh, which is funny because then they turn around and they, and they allow other space, you know, invasion movies or alien movies like Independence Day, uh, play out there. So it's like, you know, where are your, where's your moral? You know, why wouldn't, right. you know, why what is, it? What is it about yeah. this movie that you right. don't want your people to see? Which is, that's interesting. And they yeah, have I, I, just built one of the largest radio telescopes in the world. So there's mm-hmm. an Go figure. Yeah, they, go, know go figure. they know some stuff about some stuff. Well, I mean, China is making moves now. I mean, they've they've went to the moon. You know, they're they're doing their thing now. They're really getting into the space uh, programs, the space travel. Um, in fact, I, I I truly believe that China, before America, are the ones that are going to come out with you know disclosure of some form, way before us. They'll put something out there like saying, "Yep, here's some proof. Aliens exist." Especially if they know that it'll make its uh, its competitor look a little stupid without going to war with them, because a lot of people, you know, are afraid of China that we're going to go to war. We'll they'll never we'll never go to war with them because of economy, no. simple money. Yeah. But they will they will drop it any moment to make a, a, a you know a fool of America. <laughs> and if it comes <laughs> down to it, if it has something to do with aliens or or some sort of disclosure in that in that regards, uh, they would be the first to do it. 
<laughs> I agree. Yeah, I agree. Now, uh, Morgan, uh, we're almost out of time. We have a few minutes left, but uh, the symposium, let's, uh, let's hammer this home yeah. real quick. Uh, what are the dates of the symposium? Uh, are, t- are tickets still available? Can people still go to the website and purchase tickets? Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. how, how much are so they? It, uh, you know, give us some inform- information yeah, on it. Yeah, it's real soon. It's coming up, uh, well, it's next weekend, right? Not this weekend, yeah. but next weekend. So it's um, right. it's going to be on the 25th, 26th, 27th, and 28th. Uh, there's small things going on with the field investigator training on Thursday, and uh, we have the dinner banquet on Friday uh, with um, with our keynote speaker, Robert Hastings. Um, and um, and then, of course, the, the following two days, Saturday and Sunday, uh, on the 27th and 28th, we have all our uh, lineup of speakers. Um, you can easily find all the information by going to MoveOnSymposium.com. Uh, all the information's there, registration's there. Uh, I always want to remind people, if they are going, make sure you register with your hotel in our section called Hotel. You go there, you click on the link, you get your special code. Uh, some people have called us. And actually, I said, well, I can get it cheaper on, you know, uh, Travelocity. And I can get it for 105 versus 109 You got to remember, with our tickets, you're not paying the resort fee, and you're not paying for parking. And if anybody's been to Orlando, like most yep. of us here, uh, you know <laughs> that you're going to be paying a lot of money aside from where you're staying. <laughs> it's like yep. there's parking, there's fees for everything. I'm sure that for air and, uh, you know, and the sidewalk uh, tolls. So, <laughs> but um, just the way Orlando is, they got to find ways, right? So, but, um, yeah, so just know that. It's easy to do. Just uh, move on symposium.com. Uh, also, if you want to learn a little bit about the speakers, it's really cool. I put everything up on uh, YouTube, uh, on the MUFON's primary YouTube channel. You can just go, you know, search MUFON or MUFON Symposium. And uh, you'll find our little playlist there that has nothing but our speaker profiles. And, you know, this year I made them uh, do a little uh, thing about who they are and what they're doing, right, what they're talking about. But then I made every one of them answer, uh, what does the UFO, UAP phenomenon mean to you personally? And they really get into it, which is great, because then you get to really know who these speakers are um, before right. you see them. So, um but yeah, so it's going to be a lot of fun. We've been working on this as a team here in Florida with the, the team for about eight months, a little over, you know, a little under a year, um, and um, we're ready for this. And uh, we're, it's going to be a lot of fun. Stoked. And we're going to be there. So uh, you know, yeah, well, you guys will be Watchers is there. We will. You'll yeah, be well, there Chris in spirit, Mr. Brown. Yeah. I will. I will. I never <laughs> been to that. I'm over here in Oregon, so I've never been that. Oh. Far. Yeah. There's some people coming it's a, it's from there, too. Yeah. we got the Oregon State Director and the Washington State Director. A bunch of those people are coming over, so it's going to be fun. Great. Yeah, we might we might get Danny out there. By the way, uh, Crystal. I don't know if uh, if he told you, but what? he's trying to get his uh, he's trying to get out there, which would be cool. But for sure, it's going to be uh, myself, Crystal, and the other guy are going to be there, and uh, we're going to represent the network, the uh, the show, and uh, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Anybody who's listening in Whoa. right now or listens in the podcast, you know, make your way down down there, get tickets, uh, go to the website. I mean, uh, it's going to be uh, just a blast to you know not only interact with you guys uh, for us, but to sit there and listen to these folks, uh, these people speak. And, uh, and tell us, you know, their information. And, uh, and is this going to be at every year thing, by the way? Yeah, symposium happens every year, yeah. not in Florida. Though. Every year. Not in Florida. Um, but, yeah, right. yeah, it's all over the country. I think next year, um, you know, we, we move it around, but I think some of the mm-hmm. primary areas that we go is Las Vegas, which is my favorite location. Nice. And, um, yeah. The, Any the, chance uh, you guys are going to come down to Miami anytime soon? How about you know, Oregon? Miami's... Come to Oregon? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> 
I know we were in Colorado for a while, um, but um, but yeah, I, it's all really dependent on availability of the location and cost. That's usually what it comes down to. And uh, I'm glad I'm only doing this one for this. You know that it switches gears with other people. So <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's probably taken up. It is. Uh, you know. Five to six hours a day for me so, after work. <laughs> Any, anybody out there who's going to be talking about the flat earth theory? No? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll like, be nah. there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, Speaking of which, what are, your, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the flat earth theory? Me? Oh, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, I think somebody did it as a It's joke. a theory. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a theory. It's a hypothesis, not a theory. And um, it, uh, I think, uh, I think it originally started as a joke, and then, then unfortunately, America happened, and some people really <laughs> believed it. And, uh, I love that America happened. Yeah, America. Yes. F yeah, <laughs> America. And then you happened. have people who it. actually are saying that it's real and giving all these reasons. And I think a lot of them are jokers, to be honest with you, and just having fun with it. But I think there's a few crazies in there that actually are starting to uh, bite, you know, bite the bait, so to speak. And and uh, there goes social media. You know, that's kind of where it started. Right? <laughs> so. It's funny how it has taken off, though, in popularity, the discussion of Flat Earth and, oh, and the, the, the whole thing. Yeah, well, it's, it's all over Google YouTube printed, everywhere. Yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing. If you do Google not... Trends, you'll be surprised. Oh, thankfully, it's not so much on my feed anymore, but before it was ah, crazy. I know. It was, For a few God, months, there was like, like everywhere. Hashtag Flat Earth. Hashtag Flat Earth. I'm like, what yeah. the is going on? <laughs> like, for real? I mean, I have, you know, I have a little bit more... The time believing stuff like the uh, the inner Earth theory, where there's life within the Earth, maybe not so much a hollow Earth, but there's pockets where life is, you know, thriving. Uh, maybe some intelligent life. Maybe that's where some of the aliens are coming from. They're actually just hiding within the Earth, uh, which makes sense, you know, especially when you consider, uh, you know, the alien ships coming out from the ocean, USOs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some believability there. Uh, flat Earth is, yeah, it's a tough one for me to swallow. That's a tough pill for anybody to swallow. It really is. <laughs> Yeah, because I, that that well, starts yeah. to dissect all kinds of different questions. Where, you know, it's it's tough to answer any of these questions. Whether well, like, and here's the crazy thing, and this is one of the the things that these people say, which in a sense makes sense. Uh, nobody on this call right now could uh, prove that we are actually on a spherical world or we're on a flat Earth. We just can't prove it. We don't have the technology to do it, but I'm sure others have, and uh, you know, I'm sure it's already been you know proven many times over that we're not that we are living on a spherical Earth. But then, of course, you have people like uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson come out saying, "Well, the Earth is actually not a sphere; it's more like a pear shape." Well, wait a second. Yeah, it's a bolloid. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, what the heck is going on? So what you know, what have we been looking at from NASA for the last you know fifty years when he shows images of the Earth? And and there is some truth to the fact that NASA has uh, shown us fake images of the Earth, you know, CGI images or photoshopped images over the years. Uh, you know, why would they do that? That's what, well, and a, that's where I think a lot of that's where this takes off. Ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to prove well, that the Earth is round, just look at the moon. Look at the shadow we, call, we cast on the moon. It's 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 round ish. Uh, you know, there's a number <laughs> of other things you can do. I mean, it's, it's physics. It's like uh, you know, it's the horizon. You look at the horizons as well. I mean, there's a lot of little mathematics. There's actually a few things that you can do to prove that it's round. But I think people just did it It's fun. I don't think I think they really and, and it worked. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, if you're a little inebriated in the middle of the night and you put YouTube and you watch some of these videos, they're a lot of fun to watch. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> they're really intriguing, you know. Yeah, um, they really are. But yeah, no. But yeah, no. I, I'm I'm excited. I think uh, it's it's the first one we've done in Florida since I think 1990. There was one in nice. Gulf Breeze. Um, yeah. And um, you know, I actually found that poster. I get all the documents when I became state director. I get all the historical mm-hmm. documents for you know the physical documents. And going through them, I found an old retro poster from 1990. And in fact, that's I, I just thought about. It. I'll bring it to the symposium. I'll have it framed. Oh, that's cool. Um, and it's it's the old uh, Mufon symposium poster uh, that was done for Golf Breeze. You know, during that time when that that whole incident was uh, the on flat, fire. Yeah. Yeah, Mor- so it's, uh, Morgan, I, I can't, I can't wait to meet you in person in, in the next couple of weeks, man. It's going to be a lot of fun going be out awesome, there and, yeah. and meeting, and meeting yeah. you. Uh, you know, depending on what part of the country the uh, symposium is every year, I, I might make this a regular event for me because, like I told you over the phone when we spoke in private, I'm really uh, into the whole MUFON thing and. Uh, you know, yeah. joining the, what you guys are working on has always been something that I've been interested in. Uh, so going to this thing, it's just, you know, it's, uh, for me, it's, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And, uh, guys, again, go to the website, check out the, uh, the website, you know, join in. Uh, you know, I know that some of the tickets are a little expensive, but it's worth every penny you're going to get, you know, your money's worth. And uh, again, we're going to be there. So that alone, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only real, I mean, come on, you know, speakers and stuff, but me and Crystal are going to be there, you know, come on. And not so much the other guy show yeah. up for like an hour. And then he'll yeah. Be, the other guy, not <laughs> so much, there. but me and Crystal will be there and that's worth it right there. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Guys, we're all out of time. Unfortunately, we've got Dr. J coming up next on the uh, on the show here on the station. Uh, Morgan, please come back and uh, be with us uh, again here uh, yeah. soon because you know we want to talk to you some more, man. You're, you're fascinating. I know right now Bill and Nancy are are, are sending me emails saying, uh, "Can you get him for future theater?" And I know Jesse's uh, <laughs> sending an email saying, "Can you get him for uh, you for not?" Yeah, he, he's, he's in the chat room. He was saying in the chat room, Jesse's been saying, "Oh, this is a great guest you guys got on here." So you're you're going to be busy in the next few months, my friend. You're you're awesome. Uh, thanks for everything you do, and uh, and thanks to to Mufon for everything they've done over the years. Because uh, again, they are the leading, most credible uh, organization in ufology. If, and if you really want to, you know, get uh, any sort of like real truthful information, they're the people you have to go in contact and and look at their work and look at the stuff they've worked on the research. Yes, anybody can join Mufon. Yes, anybody can pay and take the test. Yes, you can be a researcher if you want. Uh, it, you know, it's not rocket science on how to get in. Uh, but if you have the heart for it, if you really have the soul to do this, because it's in you to, to get to that answer, it's in you to become part of, of the solution, to be part of that new guard, as Jesse likes to call it. Uh, Mufon, you know, Mufon is, is a great way, uh, to, to start off, uh, for anybody who is, uh, really into the subject and really wants to, you know, involve themselves, uh, deeply into, into ufology and exopolitics. Uh, again, Morgan, thank you so much for being here with, with us, my friend. It's just, it's been a blast. Time has flown by. So, you know, it was a good show. Yeah, it went quick, so. And i got to get up yeah. tomorrow for fun work day. <laughs> ah, there you go, fun, fun. Guys, uh, we'll so catch you uh, next week. Oh, go ahead, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say I had a lot of fun, and, I, you know, hey, let's do it again. Just, you know, give me a call anytime, you know me. Definitely, definitely. We'll, we'll definitely have you back on soon. Uh, guys, again, stick around for Dr. J Radio. This is uh, Skywatchers Radio signing off for the evening. Once again, telling you to please stay safe. Look up to the skies and please avoid any satellites and planes if you're recording stuff. You know, just, you know, please. like, look for real stuff. And they don't report no UFOs stuff. that are airplanes. For the love of God, just stop, stop it. it. You're stop embarrassing it. yourself and you're embarrassing ufology. Don't do it. Good night, everybody. Peace. <laughs>